Today's episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. That's our presenting sponsor and the best way to find tickets for MLB, NBA, NHL, Hamilton, you name it. I have SeatGeek on my phone. It's the easiest way to shop for the best tickets thanks to the revolutionary grading system. Right now, if you live in Chicago and you love the Boston Celtics and you're excited because... Rondo just broke his thumb. I'm never excited for injuries, but this time I was excited. The Celtics are alive. Uh, go to SeatGeek. There's lots of good seats. I mean, you could sit in row 13 for game four. Oh, yeah. You could sit in row 19, game four. It's, you know, 300 bucks ticket. It's dropping the hat. If you love the team and you want to be out there and really supporting Isaiah and the gang, uh, no, they have good seats. They they do the color coding thing, and uh, the darker green it gets on the map, that that's when you know you're getting a better deal. So Celtics fans, go in there. Try to sneak some some deals on SeatGeek for both Celtics, Game 3 or Game 4. We're also brought to you by the Ringer NFL Show. That's where you can find GM Street with Mike Lombardi. That's where you can find Andrew Luck's interview with Kevin Clark of the Ringer on the Ringer NFL Show. And a bunch of good draft content. Lombardi also has a new uh, draft com coming early next week that I highly recommend. Um, check that out. Subscribe there. Subscribe to the Ringer NBA show as well. So we, we unfortunately, just from a schedule standpoint, we, um, we had too many BS reports in a row here. We put up one on Wednesday, which was a NBA playoffs check-in with Jason Concepcion and Robert Mays. Then we put up another one yesterday with Deza Samero, who I've been dying to have on, the Bodega Boys. And we talked about a whole bunch of stuff, including the death of the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry and whether that could be revived. So those are in your podcast archives. Check those out. But I wanted to have one more. We taped in, uh, an interview with Charlemagne the God yesterday. One of my favorites who was on my HBO show at least once, but uh, we became very friendly. He is a uh, an outspoken New York media personality and also on MTV has a new book coming out. And uh, we ended up talking a lot about the whole rap scene and stuff like that. But I want to talk playoffs really quick because it's 9.30 a.m. West Coast time. There's three games tonight, four on Saturday, four on Sunday. Lots of subplots going. So we're going to talk about that and then... Right after that, about the twenty to twenty-five minute mark of this podcast, you can you can hear me and Charlemagne talking about a whole bunch of stuff. Right now, Pearl Jam. All right, here we go. NBA playoffs. The big news, it happened an hour ago, and I was very concerned that the Celtics were either going to get swept or lose in five because I did not like the complete lack of fight that they showed in game two. And I, I do agree with Rondo. I thought they quit. But unfortunately, Rondo's right thumb also quit on Rondo as it's it's fractured. And all I can tell you is I stepped on my game today. I, I'm wearing green Larry Bird socks. Look at these, Tate. Those are nice. Larry Legend socks. Larry Legend. He's back. Um, I'm wearing my yellow Good Luck Celtics t-shirt that's brought me a lot of luck over the years. And I paid somebody to, to break Rondo's thumb. So I, <laughs> I don't know what else I can do, people. I'm trying the best I can. Now, I will say this. Rondo is a tough MFer. The dude played with a dislocated elbow in the 2011 playoffs. Literally, it was dislocated. He played anyway. Uh, he tore his ACL in a game and finished the game. <laughs> 
anyone who thinks that Rondo isn't coming back for game four or game five has not followed his career. I would argue that of the guys that I've watched in the past 40 years, he's one of the 10 toughest and certainly one of the toughest in the league. And one of those guys that just is playing unless the doctor says you can't play your legs hanging off. So I just think he'll play. He'll be back. He's taking this seriously. And if you're the Celtics, you went from thinking that, you know, all the tragedy and all the terrible stuff that Isaiah Thomas went through this past week, you know, inadvertently submarine their chances to win the series because he's the lifeblood of the team. He's the guy that even when they're not playing well, can just pull a fourth quarter out of his ass and change the game and the, and swing what should have been a loss and a win. And he was not the same guy. And in game one, which I went to the, the team was affected by it as they should have been, but they were affected in a way of, you know, it, it was such an emotional game and they were so, cognizant of all the different emotions he was going through minute by minute that you know you can see it they just weren't able to match the intensity that the bulls had and the and i went to that game and the bulls really bullied them and knocked them around and did all the stuff you have to do when a playoff game game two the celtics just sucked and that happens with them you know and that was one of the biggest reasons why i was not sold on them as a one seed I was not willing to give up on them yet though because this is a pattern that they've had these last couple years where Every time it looks like, you know, oh my God, the season's falling apart or, oh, this team's in a skid, they're not going to get out of it. That's when they would win. You know, the best example is the West Coast trip, uh, early March, I think, when post All-Star break, this team wasn't the same and just stopped making threes. Marcus Smart started making, stopped making shots. Olenek stopped making shots. Jalen Brown started to hit the rookie wall and it started to look like things were sliding away and then they went to golden state and they won so they they have a history of doing this and i thought they were going to win tonight now with this rondo thing i don't know what to think because sometimes if you if you're super confident and you think oh this is great we're going to win then you know grant comes in and starts making threes who the hell knows what's going to happen they had tate portis in game 1 yep german guy zipsic zipser zipser yeah zipsic who is Zipsich? I think he was at the Red Sox once. Uh, <laughs> the German guy comes in game two. He's making yep. shots. Sometimes it's just your series when stuff like that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think there was, they had some rebounding advantages. They have Butler who's playing great. But if in a playoff series, if just random guys start playing out of their ass, that's usually a bad sign. Like I look at the Milwaukee series, Milwaukee might be better. Yeah. From a depth perspective, yeah. They just might be more athletic, and Giannis is the best player in the series. And mm-hmm. if you have the best player in the series, I don't know, five out of six times you're going to win the series? Yep. He's the best player in the series. Absolutely. They're super athletic. Defensively, they've just figured out how to throttle um, the Raptors, and they're making shots. Like, I watched that first quarter um, this morning, actually, on NBA TV. And they're up by like 20 in the first quarter. They're making threes. And then on the other end, they're just sh- shutting everyone down. And Giannis is just flying around like seven-foot Kawhi Leonard. Yep. I think they're for real. I thought the Raptors, I, I simultaneously thought they are going to make the finals. And I thought they could lose this Buck series. <laughs> yeah. Which sums was, up the East in a nutshell. It was a bad series matchup for them. What do you got to, like DeRozan was 0 for 8. It was yeah. the only guy to ever go 0 for that average over 25 points per game in a playoff series like that. I think, see, Twice. everyone who watches the NBA knew Giannis was one of the 10 best players. Yeah. But I don't think America really knew it yet, because who the hell is going to watch the Bucks unless you're dorks like us that watch League Pass every night? 
And so I'm not surprised Giannis is doing this, but he definitely raised his game. Like he's making threes and he's even in game two when it looked like they were just going to lose. He was like, no, we're not going to lose and almost brought them back. There's some superstar stuff going on with him now that I did not really see the whole season. And he's sort of like talking trash like a little bit. Yeah, in the he's press like conferences. A, like he's got like a little yeah. bit of a cocky edge. I always remember. He's when, kind of an asshole. I like yeah. it. I remember when they lost the game like a couple years ago and he was like singing, going to the locker room and people yeah. were like, you can't do this. We just lost a game. Yeah. And he was like, it doesn't like, you know, doesn't affect me. We have bigger things on the horizon. And I was like, oh, this guy is he's got I'm a bigger not, plan. I'm not willing to count the Raptors out because I think they have a lot of playoff playoff experience. And it happened like, like we've seen this before. Yeah. It's two yeah. one. We've seen lots of teams come back from two one. I think that the thing that they need to do what I've noticed from watching is that they need to be a little nastier. Mm-hmm. They need to turn into a playoff series. They need to knock Giannis on his ass. Yeah, Damari Carroll's not doing it. He's not stopping Giannis. They need no. someone else to just like man up on him. Like put PJ Tucker on Giannis. See how put PJ like, Tucker for, on for, him like, for forty minutes. Yeah. Get him. Try to get him into a fight. Like yeah. they need to turn into a hockey game. There you go. That's the difference. And you know, I was looking at it last night with the Bucks. Steve Kerr when he used to do media, um, and he would come on my podcast. He always had a theory that the young team in the playoffs that looks it's going well, things are going their way. And then they have that game three at home. The fans show up an hour early. Yeah. It's, it's like, Oh yeah. And then they come out, they lay an egg because it's, there's so much energy and intensity and it's a young team and they're trying too hard and they get away from what they're supposed to be. They don't breathe. Like the, yeah. the Bucks did the opposite. <laughs> the Bucks had that energy intensity that came out and they actually kicked Toronto's ass, which yep. makes me think like, Fuck, like, I don't know what the ceiling is for this team. Because mm-hmm. Giannis, Giannis, I think, is going to win an MVP someday. Yeah. I would say he's the best under 25 bet other than Davis. Davis would be the number one pick. Giannis would be number two pick. Giannis is on a much better team. Somebody sent me a great email. Um, Well, two emails, actually. Simon in Vancouver asked, if you were the Bucks and the Cavs called right after the season and offered LeBron straight up for Giannis, would you take that take that trade? No way. No. You He's ten th- years younger. Yeah, you have fourteen more years of Giannis. You yeah. have what, like six more years of LeBron, maybe? Yeah, depending on science. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he'll play to his fifty. This is an even better email from Chris in Brooklyn. Why wouldn't Chris Paul opt out and go be point god for the Bucks? Mm. That have a lineup of Paul, Brogdon, Middleton, Giannis, and Monroe and Maker. With Jabari and Parker off the, the bench. Six. Oh, my yeah. God. And he's like, if you're going to go ring chasing, is there a better up-and-comer to latch onto? I think not. My answer, yeah, we'll see how much Chris Paul cares about winning because that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Paul and the Bucks. <laughs> Why couldn't, wouldn't he do that? Couldn't that be like Oscar Robertson going to play with like young Kareem? Yeah, on the Bucks. <laughs> It's a great idea. I love it. Now, Chris Paul, you know, he they basically made the Chris Paul rule in the CBA where he can sign, I think, like a five-year extension for $300 gazillion yeah. with the Clippers. NBA PA. So he's staying. We'll see how much he cares about money versus the rings because if he wants a ring, I would go to that Milwaukee team. I like it. And I don't know who else who else uh, the the in their prime or slightly past their prime point guards are out there, but all of them should be studying this Bucks team. Yeah. Especially if you're a spot up shooter. If you're basically a good version of Del Vadova. Yeah. That's that should be your team. What JJ like Reddick. Kyle Lowry. 
Oh, that's <laughs> awkward. Larry pulls a Durant and goes Thank you for the Bucks. Kevin O'Connor wrote a piece for us about like a month and a half ago, and Toronto got really mad about how yeah, blow Toronto would have to blow it up if they didn't do well. In it's a playoffs. running joke on the Ringer NBA show that Kevin O'Connor wants to blow up every team in the NBA. <laughs> he does. <laughs> it's great. Team, we should call it TNT. Yeah, it's blown up. K-O-C-T-O-T. Loves drama. All right, so here's what we have tonight. Friday night, Celtics Bulls, 4 o'clock. West Coast time, seven o'clock East Coast. Um, the biggest game in the Brad Stevens era. I'm just mm. going to throw it out there. This is the first time he's taken little heat back home. Yeah, two and ten. For I've I've seen that everywhere. That's weird lineups. Yeah. Uh, Can really Zeller got start? Coached by Hoiberg. Yeah. Could Zeller start? That's what I heard. That Zeller could start to shut down Robin Lopez. I don't think Zeller's going to shut down Robin Lopez. I, if anything, <laughs> I think I think they have to go smaller. Oh. I would go Horford and Jarebko. So Horford at the five? Yeah, I would go smaller. It's try to space them out and mm-hmm. space out. They did this against Utah. When they when they beat Utah and Utah, they spaced out Gobert with shooters all around and made it so Gobert had nowhere to go and he had to come away from the rim. Yeah. That's how you get Lopez to stop rebounding so much. Now, I don't know how you stop the offensive boards, but um, they're going to have to start boxing them out. Rockets Thunder is the second game. These games are great tonight. I mean, yep. this is the best night of the year so far. Rockets Thunder, I think the series ends in five. The Rockets are just better. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I regret my supporting cast argument now. And then the Rockets, I was like, ah, it's relative week. Well, it's not. The Rockets just it's have better. Now, if Westbrook trusted his dudes more, maybe that would flip it. But I think I was too high on Oladipo. I don't know whether playing with Westbrook has screwed him up or whether we just overrated him. And, you know, it's not like he had a ton of success in Orlando. I always really liked him. I think it's weird that he can't guard Harden. Yeah. I always thought he was like this two-way guy. And uh, just watching him closely, I thought he'd be able to shut him down. Adams, I don't know what happened to. He just looks, yeah, neutered. He just looks lost. Doesn't look active. So how much do you blame Russ for this? I don't know. Yeah, everyone looks dejected. It looks like everyone has one dribble, then they have to pass it back to Russ. Yeah. Because you, you always say this about touching the ball. People like that. When you play basketball, you like to touch the ball. It looks like the whole Thunder team just looks like they don't get to touch the ball in the fourth right. quarter. Basketball's not hard to figure out. Yeah. Everybody needs to be involved. They came out in game two, and they're up 16-4, to four, and Westbrook had two points. Mm-hmm. And Oladipo was making plays, and Adams, and Robertson made a play, and it, they looked like a team. And yeah. by the fourth quarter... I knew they were done in that game when they gave up when when they rested Westbrook mm-hmm. and they gave up a basket and they showed Westbrook screaming at Donovan to put him back <laughs> in. I was like, they're done. Yeah, like if if he doesn't even trust his team to hold the lead for two minutes. Now Donovan played terrible lineups. Mm-hmm. You have to Old Depot has to run the second team. Yeah, Samaj Christian, who's the worst player in the playoffs, just can, we can't see him again. If he plays again, that this is that's you're almost like trying to sabotage the team. Is there a worse playoff player than Samaj Christian? I just don't what understand. How, they, how do they not have a better backup? I mean, is that like there's a hundred point guards yeah. in the NBA? Is that like a complex with Russ where he doesn't want anyone to like give him? Like obviously, we saw Reggie, Reggie got sent out. You know, like the guys Cameron like, Payne, Cameron Payne, Eric out. Yeah, 
There's tons of guys that have been there. Like even like a Ish Smith. Why can't Ish Smith be his backup point guard or someone just that might have had Ish Smith? Yeah, like there's there's plenty of options. Tim Frazier for the Pel- like there dude. Are, there's point guards everywhere. Yeah, there's a million point guards that the are Celtics, better than Shamaj Christian. The Celtics have Demetrius Jackson on their D League team yeah, from Notre, Notre Dame, Dame yep. who easily could have played ten minutes a game for them in this series. There's a hundred point guards, and there's gonna be ten more coming into this draft. And all you really have to do on that second unit is be able to make an entry pass. Like, if right. you want to get Adams or one of those Just guys. don't fuck yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't turn the ball over and miss a three. Uh, yeah. I'm also, I think they, I think simultaneously they need to go small, but they also can't run away from what worked for them last year. Last year when they almost beat the Warriors and they were up 3-1 in that series. It's bully ball. Bully ball. Yeah. Rebounds. It was two guys just hammering. And Ibaka was one of the guys. But if you, if you really look at the minutes, like, Gibson and and uh, Sabonis replace the Ibaka minutes. Mm-hmm. Oladipo replaces the Durant minutes. That's tough. Yeah. And then uh, the Waiters was playing 30 minutes a game for them in the playoffs, but you can replace him with, with Dougie McBuckets, and he, he's just a shooter. He's yeah. standing in the corner. Yeah. McDermott can do that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think this is inconceivable that they could replicate the Warriors thing. I was looking at their box scores from that Warriors series. And KD and Westbrook shot like shit in that series. They mm-hmm. were like 20 for 55, 20 for 60 every game. Yeah. What was winning it and what was keeping them in was their rebounding and their defense. Yep. So. And um, second chance opportunities, tipping the ball out. Yeah. They got to unleash. Adams has to bring them back if they have a chance. And I, I just think he's in a fog. His one moment in the series was the screen on Beverly. And that right. instead of that, like setting the tone for the Thunder, it like flipped it for the Rockets. It seemed like Beverly loved that. And then it fired up the whole Rockets team to get back in the game, which was so weird. Yeah. For, and for the record, I, you know, I thought Westbrook played an unbelievable two and a half quarters. And then his fourth quarter was one of the most abominable basketball things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he took 18 shots, which is, even in a pickup game with the most selfish guy you could ever play with. I've never seen anything like that. Kobe was jealous. Wide open. Yeah, Kobe was like, wow, this guy's selfish. He had Grant wide open in the corner. He yep. had McDermott wide open. And what was interesting, because I watched that fourth quarter game pretty carefully, like the guys that kind of gave up, like Taj Gibson was like, fuck this. Like he wasn't even rebounding. And you just can't do that. And I think that's the danger with him is, it's like he wants it too badly. Yeah. And it's like you can't take a step back, calm down. I I'm, I would bet on them winning tonight just because I think he's going to get like 30 foul, 30 free throws. Yeah. But uh, but the Rockets are good. And they have the X factor of, oh, we're not playing that well. Oh, here's Lou Williams. Oh, he just scored 12 points in five minutes. And, yeah. Oh, here's Eric. Oh, Eric Gordon just made two threes. Like they have these wild card guys that might not show up, but sometimes they do. Yeah. And Russ is averaging 11 three attempts. Uh, the most in the playoffs of it's, anyone. Russ is... It's, and shooting 23% from three. Anyone who defends Russ's second half of that game with the whole, oh, you can't, what teammates was he going to pass to? Yeah. It's like... Well, the open guy. Yeah, he had <laughs> any of the open guys, and he's shooting, he's four for 18, so obviously that didn't work out. And he was tired, and he knew it, and he's throwing up air balls, and that was embarrassing. Uh, that's on I, Donovan a little bit, though. Like I, I, it's on Donovan I, a lot of it. Yeah, that's how I feel Stand about up it. to your superstar. I'm not yelling at Russ. I'm not blaming Russ. He obviously has a lot going on. But Donovan has to reel him back in some sort of fashion, I feel like. Yeah, but that's the thing. It was the same thing with Kobe for many, many years. Yeah. You just Once they got in that mindset, you couldn't reel him back. Kobe in 03 and 04, for the Lakers, you know, basically won one finals game in those two years with end of his prime Shaq mm-hmm. and... 
reaching his prime Kobe. That yeah. It was because Kobe was so selfish those two years and Shaq was out of shape. That didn't help either. <laughs> Clippers, Jazz. I thought the Jazz could have won game two. Mm-hmm. They had a bunch of, my dad would always call these like get over the hump moments where it's like they just couldn't get it to three or two. And I think if they had, they, the Clippers would have gotten tight. And like Joe Johnson missed a couple huge threes. Hayward missed a couple big threes. Hayward bricks threes in the Hayward fourth quarter. Hayward was terrible yeah. in that game. Yeah. And I think the Clippers feel like Maba Mute can actually guard him because he was playing a lot. Yeah. And he seems very happy lately, Maba Mute. Yeah. Because all him. he does is play defense and do backdoor layups. <laughs> yeah. It's easy life. But um, not good for Hayward's uh, mega contract in the summer if he mm-hmm. can't score on Maba Mute. Now, I'm guessing the crowd's going to be crazy. They'll probably get some calls. They got to figure out what to do with DeAndre. I, I would personally do hack a shack when. On DeAndre, when the clips get in grooves. Yeah, just take them out. Just screw it out. Just mess up their rhythm. Uh, the other thing to watch in that series, the fact that Blake isn't posting up Diaw and Joe Johnson is insane to me. This was the third best player in the league two years ago. Mm-hmm. And if he can't score on those guys, if they're going to guard him one-on-one with Diaw and Johnson, then that tells me like he's not a superstar anymore. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Like You, you would have, you, on your Charlotte team... If Cody Zeller was being guarded by Joe Johnson, you would go to Cody Zeller every time, or yeah, even like Frank Kaminsky. Right, Blake Griffin <laughs> can't guard. Can't, can't, he's going to be shut down by Joe Johnson one on one. Yeah, it's like they're trying to get him with a quick guy so he can't catch the ball at the elbow and like drive past him for that easy layup. But it's like yeah. Blake, you can post people up in case you forgot. It's weird because Utah's best advantage, and I think a lot of teams' best advantage against the Clips is speed. Because mm-hmm. Chris doesn't want to run like that for four quarters. Yeah, and you just George Hill started pressing it, and it kind of threw Chris out of his rhythm. The Go Bear thing's a big deal, though. Yeah, he's out. Yeah, because and he's not back for until when? They said late in the series, right? That's yeah, the last word. Yeah, so that's like game six, game seven. I was there for game two, and the guy sitting behind me at halftime said to me who's a longtime Clipper fan, he's like, is this the last half we're ever going to see a Blake and Chris? It was in the air. Wow. The Clips won, but it was in the air. Everybody in my section was was at least cognizant of, like, they blow this game, they're going to get swept, team's going to get blown up, mm-hmm. Doc Rivers is going to become the Orlando GM, Yeah, and Blake's going to be another team. It was sitting there. So That's I, amazing. Who would you, who'd you pick imagine. for that series? I have the Clippers. I, I've already told you I, I do believe in the Clippers for whatever reason. I don't know why. I just think that continuity will play out. And I think Gobert really was favorable. Usually they have something bad happen to them, and this time 17 seconds to lose Gobert in a series yeah, is really sad for the I Jazz. thought that they could swing it into an advantage because they could space the, the floor. Yeah. And they had different options, but that involves them making threes. and. As this series keeps going and you're relying on threes, that gets dangerous. I want a Roddy Hood game for the Jazz. I want him to have like 21 points. I don't know how I game. feel about him. Yeah. I, I I believe in Rodney Hood. Do you? Yeah. Okay. And that's coming from a guy that doesn't like Duke basketball players. Yeah, no, That's a big concession for you. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, Wizards Hawks. The the Hawks blew it. I, <laughs> yeah. think, they, I yeah. think they had to win game three. And I think this the crowd will be unbelievable for uh for game four and i think they're better and dwight dwight's gonna do his dwight bola virus on on the hawks and i'm writing them off john wall feels like it's his time it's his time to at least have i guess they would play the winner of the celtics bulls mm-hmm. starting to feel like washington's gonna be in the eastern finals yeah 
I think that they got a good draw being that that four seed. Really good draw. Yeah. Spurs Grizzlies. That one. Pop felt like he threw away game three a little bit to make a point. I don't know what point he was making, but I didn't feel like they were playing for their lives in game three. It felt like the only guy he would talk to on the bench was Jonathan Simmons. Yeah. He, like, he was mad at everybody. He yeah, wouldn't talk to anyone else. It was like he went in the game going, oh, we don't have it tonight. And yeah. I'm going to just teach a point and get everyone pissed off. But it didn't feel like that game was a complete loss. Yeah. LaMarcus Aldridge played good in the second quarter. I thought that they were going to like turn it around behind Aldridge, but then it was just like, oh, no, this is just selfish Aldridge for a quarter, and he yeah. got his stats. That's the thing with the Spurs is like you can like really land a haymaker on them every once in a while. Yeah. I don't know how high their ceiling is as a team. Kawhi didn't blink on the bench when he was sitting over there. He just was staying straight out. I know. He's just It was mad. great. Uh, Warriors Trailblazers is over. It ended in the fourth <laughs> quarter of game one when the Trailblazers um, – through haymakers at uh, at Golden State and got everything you'd want from their two best players. I think they finished like eighty points, and they still lost by fifteen. Mm-hmm. If you if your two best players play as well as they can play and you lose by fifteen, the series is over. Yeah. So they're gonna get swept. Cavaliers Pacers. So last night, um, LeBron played one of the best ten playoff games of his career, and. Uh, I don't know. It was almost too perfect how great. they fell behind and then he came back. Oh, you think right he did it intentionally? Yeah. It was, it was, okay. he never seemed stressed by it. I I love, that. You know, I love those conspiracy <laughs> hot takes. And it's the most, it was the biggest comeback after a high, halftime deficit. It was 26. The, the deficit before that was 25. So makes history. Well, it's great. They'll close it out. They'll win yeah. game four. They'll get some rest. They would play the winner of Toronto, Milwaukee. And, Milwaukee's a bad matchup for them. Yeah, I think they want Toronto. Yeah. I think they desperately want Toronto. And I Toronto. thought Toronto was a team that matched up really nice for them. And now I'm looking at them like, they don't want to see Giannis. Mm-mm. Now, maybe Giannis will pull another level out of LeBron that we haven't seen in a while. I'm trying to think who the last great forward that he played in a playoff series. I guess it was Kawhi in the finals. Yeah, or Durant. I was I compare that Bucks Durant team to 12. like the young Thunder team where yeah. like LeBron can pull the seniority and those guys get like a little tight cuz they're playing against like quote unquote the greatest player. I don't know if Giannis is going to get tight. Uh, he does I feel like, like he like gives it. zero fucks. <laughs> he really does. I and mean, Thon and Brogdon, all those young guys don't look like they care. They just I think like Giannis energy. was like, I was living on the streets in Greece, like begging people for money. Like yeah. I'm gonna be nervous because of a playoff game. I'm already playing with house money. Yeah. That guy that guy's had a rough life and just does not give a shit. Yeah. He's a tough dude. Man. So That's why I feel like the Raptors are gonna come back. But I'm pulling for the Bucks. All right. So here's my predictions, Tate, and then we're gonna throw it to Charlemagne. Cool. We have Celts Bulls, I think it goes seven, and I don't know who wins. Mm. I think it goes seven now. I hope it goes seven. Yeah, that would be fun. Cavs Pacers is done in four. Yep. Where does Paul George go from here? The Miami Heat? He's just a... Get over yourself, Paul George. (laughs) Get over yourself. Yeah. That's CJ Miles' be comment. I won't teammate. get over that. Yeah. yeah, be a better teammate. You killed your team when you, you undermined CJ Miles in game one. Toronto, Milwaukee is. I'm just not giving up on Toronto. Mm-hmm. If I had to bet my life on it, I would say Milwaukee in six. But I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't bet on this series. Kyle I Lowry, could see Toronto winning yeah. game four. 
Yeah, it seemed like Lowry was pretty set on that they were going to flip it around. He was like, it sucks right now, but we'll be back. They need Kyle Lowry to be awesome in Game 4. Yeah. They need him to destroy everybody in the Bucks in Game 4. They need a vintage, old-school Kyle Lowry game, but maybe he's not healthy. Yeah. That might be... I mean, that might, that wrist injury, that was my one hesitation with picking them. Washington, Atlanta will somehow go to 6. <laughs> and then Washington will win, and Joe House will freak out, but they'll end up pulling out. Golden State's going to sweep. San Antonio win in 5. Houston wins in 5. Clippers Utah is the one that I just have no feel for. I don't know when Gobert comes back. I don't trust the Clips. I I think the Clippers are going to win in five, and I think that they should have swept. But it's just like the Clippers not to sweep by losing that game one. I think without Gobert, they should sweep the Jazz. Well, if you go by best best guy in the series, yeah, for every series, the best guy in the series is going to win every series. If if just assuming everything holds right, and the best guy in that Utah series is Chris Paul. Yep. He's also the biggest asshole in that series. I mean, he now stomps around like he's yelling at guys. He's yelling at assistant coaches. Yes. He is the angriest I've ever seen him. He just wants That's it so bad. That's what I believe. He, 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 <laughs> he's like one of those angry police sergeants in an 80s drama. Uh, quickly, a couple a couple mailbag questions, then we'll get to Charlemagne. Joshua Benton asks, the Cavs are proven to be the Robert Durst of the 2017 <laughs> playoffs. When are they going to get caught? My answer I don't know. I don't know. I like the Robert Durst analogy, though. Uh, Brian Atlanta asks, if you had to win one game, would you choose LeBron at the height of his powers or Jordan? My answer, stop it. Yeah, unequivocally, Jordan. Just stop it. Just stop. Uh, William Jacobs wonders, I've heard people say the Celtics should send someone besides Isaiah Thomas to the lottery. Isn't he the exact person we need there? My answer, Tommy Henson. Mm-hmm. Tommy Henson has been involved with the Celtics since 1956. He is the living legend that we have and our direct tie to Red Arback and Russell and all those guys. I would send Tommy Henson. Nice. Tyler from Seattle asks, can we officially add Camilla beating Laurel in this week's <laughs> challenge elimination to the list of improbable upsets of the past year? It may be more improbable than the Cubs or Cavs. Laurel is literally the predator and aliens robot love child. Camilla is five foot three at best and is either hammered, screaming at her team, trying to fight someone, or all three at once. Are we sure Cousin Sal didn't bet on Laurel to win it all before the season started? My answer: We're not sure, <laughs> and I agree with you. I, I would say it was it was uh, not as improbable as the Pats coming back from twenty eight to three, but more improbable than the Cubs or, or the or the Cavs because Camilla is five foot three and a hundred pounds and yeah. is literally drunk all the time. Uh, Joshua from Fayetteville, Arkansas says, you call this the Rondo Sance. The Rajana Sance was right there. <laughs> My answer, you're right. It should be it should be the Rajana Sance. is good. It's better than the Rondo Sance. Yeah, I like Rajana Sance. Rajana Sance is good. Andrew asks, if you type Miami Vice into the Ringer search box, you get the following message. Quote, no stories found in the Ringer. Does a different Bill Simmons own this site? <laughs> My answer, unacceptable, and, and people are going to get suspended. I'm very upset about this. It's really, it's, it's, I, I have nothing to say other than just uh, regret and apologies. Jeff Heiger in Evansville, Indiana asks, with all due respect to you and House concerning trying to figure out Carl Malone's signature move, doesn't it have to be him giving Isaiah Thomas 40 stitches? Mm. My answer, yes. Yeah. He didn't like the whole John Stockton, 
made the dream team over Isaiah. I, the next game after it was announced, Isaiah torched John Stockton. The next game after that, 40-stitch elbow. Yeah. The what, mailman delivers. The most vicious thing that happened in the past 25 years, of the, or past 30 years of the NBA, I would say. Intentional flying elbow. Yeah. And split his eye open. And he's still, if you can see it on NBA TV, is the giant scar on his left. But you know Isaiah loved it. That's Secretly. He yeah, secretly it. loved yeah. it. Jake from Minneapolis wonders, Towns is the first player in NBA history to score 2,000 points, collect 1,000 rebounds, and make 103 pointers in a season. You're the king of coming up with club names. What would you name this club? My answer, the 2,000-1,100 club. <laughs> Why are we getting fancy? In 3,000 minutes. Uh, Chris Haneke wonders, where is when the championship KD gets his ring? Russ wins the MVP. Thanks, KD, in his speech. KD decides to re-sign with OKC. You can't totally rule this out, can you? My answer, yes. Yes. He's not, as long as the current owners in front office is running OKC, Kevin Durant will not be at OKC. Yeah. I would not rule it out 10 years from now. Uh, two more. Kobe and Shaq won three titles. Russ and KD are future Hall of Famers. But Vin Diesel and The Rock have now made four <laughs> blockbuster movies together. For the obvious best franchise of all time, what is your power ranking for most successful disgruntled teammates? That's from Tyler in Patchogue, New York. Mm. I still have Kobe and Shaq first. Yeah. Those guys genuinely hated each other. And then when when Kobe got uh, arrested for the hotel thing and he gave his deposition that the smoking gun had the deposition for. Yeah. And he threw Shaq under the bus. Yeah, he snitched. Yeah, he snitched on Shaq. (laughs) I still think that to me that's number one that they won three titles and that happened. Can't beat like that. wow. All right, last one and then we'll get to Charlemagne. From Tyler Lowey. Why hasn't anyone pro- proposed the idea of dangling the MVP trophy from the Jumbotron during the Rockets Thunder series like a money in the bank match? My answer. Brilliant. Yes. I think there's still time. Yes. Let's do it. Could you imagine Russ and Harden just staring up at the MVP trophy in the middle of games? <laughs> That's a great idea. I love it. Uh, all right. Before we get to Charlemagne, what if you stopped wasting money on expensive takeout orders? What if you signed up with Blue Apron? For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers easy-to-follow seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients right to your door. They have the highest standards and build a community of home chefs with no rival. No more overspending at restaurants or high-end grocery stores with Blue Apron. Prepare delicious, memorable meals yourself in under 40 minutes. Some of the meals available in April include... Spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives, bell peppers, and ricotta salada. Sweet and sour salmon with bok choy, carrot, and ginger fried rice. Parmesan-crusted chicken with creamy fettuccine and roasted broccoli. I I would eat all of these. Baby broccoli and fontina paninis with hard-boiled egg and arugula salad. Right now, you can get your first three Blue Apron meals for free with free shipping. Just go to blueapron.com slash BS. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to uh, our, our Ringer MLB show on TuneIn that you can find them for free all month. And if you do a deal right now, what is it? TuneIn.com slash Ringer. 60-day mm-hmm. free trial for TuneIn. We love TuneIn. If you're an, if you're a transplant, like if you're a Boston fan living in LA and you get TuneIn, you can listen to your Celtics announcers, your Red Sox announcers, your Patriots announcers, whoever. It's fantastic. I love having Sean Grandy back in my life for Celtic Camps. It's been good. So anyway, check out uh, tunein.com slash ringer, and uh, and you can get our little 60-day free trial for Ringer Premium and hear all of those games. They have all the rights to MLB, NBA, all that stuff. 
Last thing, I jumped on the Oilers bandwagon last night, Tate. <laughs> nice. Overtime. Edmonton. Yeah. Good for them. Overtime. 3-3. Three, three. Yeah. I got into it. I, I really like McDavid. I got excited every time he had the puck. I just, it was one of my best uh, unadulterated bandwagon jumps in a while. Yeah, I'm not a huge like hockey head, but when I do think of Connor McDavid, I think of that Grantland video and you, so... Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the Taken. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, here we go. Charlemagne the God, and uh, enjoy the weekend. Go Celtics. Taping this on a Thursday morning. I'm not sure when it's going up, so if anything crazy happens between this taping and when you actually hear this, don't blame us. Charlemagne the God is here. Bill Simmons, what's up, my brother? Author. Yeah, Black now. Black Privilege. Yeah, Opportunity Comes to Those Who Create It. Uh, it came out this week. You know, it's eight principles that I learned in my life that I just want to share with the people. You know, I, I, I'm a, I, I always say I'm too dumb to be closed-minded. So all I have, you know, education-wise is just the sum total of my experiences. So yeah. I'm just sharing some experiences with uh, with the people. And I'm a big self-help guy. Like, I love self-help books. Like, I love Gladwell. I love Wayne W. Dyer. I love Robert Greene. <clears throat> but all those guys are way smarter than me. And they have, like, historical examples to back up their principles. Yeah. I don't have that type of historical context our historical education in my brain. So I'm just using, you know, examples from my life. What's the number one favorite example that you have in this book? Uh, principle seven, okay. give people the credit they deserve for being stupid, including yourself. Because okay. that's basically the know-it-all knows nothing. Because like I just said, I'm too dumb to be closed-minded. So I have to be receptive to new information. I have to be receptive to new people. Like I talk about the, uh, the Drake and DJ Khaled song, No New Friends, mm -hmm. and how like I hated that record. Not because of how it sounded sonically, but just the message in it. Because it's like that, no new friends, no new friends. Like, no, you should meet new friends. You should grow and evolve and meet new people that can teach you new things and help you get to new levels and new places. Like, why would you close yourself off from new friends? That's closing yourself off from new information which I think is stupid. Mm. Do you think this is the most interesting time for music and music personalities since you've been doing your show? Um, 2017. I All these different famous people at different points of their career and yeah. the way they're releasing music has totally changed and just everything about it, trying to put out the perception of who you want people to think you are versus yeah. who you actually are. I, I actually, I'm fascinated by all this stuff. I, I'm very fascinated. That's one reason I named the subtitle of the book opportunity comes to those who create it because i feel like we live in this era where it's a free-for-all yeah like there's no rules like remember back in the day you had all these gatekeepers you had people that had to press the button to make this happen or uh, you know you need yeah. to pr press the button to make this thing go like now you can just be your own machine like there yeah. are no there are no gatekeepers anymore because there's no gates like if you want to be a, a broadcaster, you could just start a podcast. If you want to do TV, you could just turn your video camera on. If you want to do music, you could just go do music and put it out on SoundCloud and you may get an audience. And it's like everybody's scrambling to catch up with you. Record labels are scrambling like, yo, who's this guy? This guy's already sold 500,000 records, got 500,000 screams. Our radio's like, this record's already red hot. Like, you know, he's got 40 million listens on SoundCloud. Like, why aren't we playing this? Like, it's a free-for-all. It's the perfect era to just create your own opportunity. Chance is the most fascinating one of all of them because mm. he's basically eschewed yeah. the labels. Yeah, it's, it's And this, he owns all his own stuff, basically. Yeah, it's this big debate going on on whether or not Chance is independent because his last project, Coloring Book, he actually sold... Well, he gave it to Apple to be exclusive for like a week or two days or something, but they gave yeah. him a half a million dollar check. To me, that's the epitome of independence. Right. You know what I mean? I can give you my project and for a couple of days you have it exclusively, I get a half a million dollars and then I can still give it to the people? Like, that's 
up the up independence like a mother effort like that's when you really control your own masters you control your own destiny you control your own product like i love what he's doing i don't know why these kids are signing the major labels nowadays what so what makes you want to stay with the breakfast club because that's like basically on a major label but you could also have your own thing if you wanted to that, that's a very good question but i think um I mean, I mean I'm, obviously you have a great thing going. It's, yeah, it'd be I think, stupid I, to leave, but yeah, dude, think, you must have thought about another direction no, too. I, no, I think it fuels everything else. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I always tell people like you, you got to know, uh, you can be a general and a soldier simultaneously. Yeah. Like, you know, I got my own podcast, The Brilliant Idiots, and you know, I got other things that I'm the executive producer of that I actually own. I'm the general there. But you know, when I'm with The Breakfast Club and iHeart, I'm a soldier and I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, because I can, I can use that platform to boost my other platforms. Right. It's so I did that show, I guess, in October, November, December, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. And you have the person in the middle, but Angela's on the left. Yeah. You're on the right. Yeah. And, and the DJ's in the, in the kind of facing. Everybody calls him DJ. So you got to you gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. got to do this. So mm-hmm. you're doing this the whole time. So you have the guest on, uh, you have the guest almost on their heels the whole time. Like I triang- liked it. Yeah, it's like a triangle de- triangle of death. Triangle but somebody gets shut out. Like, I, I felt like I didn't give Angela enough love. And I, I felt like she, I, I think her feelings were hurt by the end. It's all I about really, your angle. I didn't flirt with her enough. Oh, you thought she would Well, no, I just didn't. I didn't flirt with her. I didn't engage her. I, I don't feel like, you know I didn't put my call, arm around her you, after. Like, you know, I just, I, I have a lot of regrets. They're going to call you misogynistic for that, though. What? Because they're going to. Well, you, I would have felt the same with you if I, if I had spent you, you, most of the time. You could have said you flirted with me, Bill. You, you could have said, I, I didn't feel like I flirted with you enough. Well, I, I didn't, didn't flirt with DJ totally, and you enough. Like, <laughs> I didn't feel like she was totally engaged. Why'd you got to flirt with her because she's a girl, a woman? Yes. Yeah. No, I didn't feel we like li- she was totally engaged. I felt like I could have done more. Yeah. We live in that, hype, we live in that hypersensitive era, though. I, I don't even be knowing when I'm offending people anymore. Well, you don't give a fuck, which, which no, I love. No, I don't. I yeah, really you don't. really, you give really. zero fucks. No, I, I can't because it's too stressful. Yeah. Like, this is my thing. That's why I say uh, you got to give people the credit they deserve for being stupid, including yourself. Like, I'm okay with learning. Don't jump down my throat because y'all have new ways of doing things now that I'm just not accustomed to. Right. I'm older. You know what I'm saying? I'm older than y'all. Like, for example, the word female. Like, I called a young lady a female. Like, just in, like, you know, you know, female. We're not allowed to do that anymore? They say it's offensive. What? Yes, because they say you're not being specific. Like what? meaning that meaning that it, there's female. Uh, this is what a young lady told me verbatim. There's female rock snakes. There's female kangaroos. Yeah. So you have to say female human. Oh my god. It's, I'm telling I, you, I don't know. I can't. I can't I, I, I'm confused. I was at uh, Harvard last week. They boycotted me. Well, they didn't boycott me, but some of the kids boycotted me. They said I was transphobic, misogynistic, and homophobic. I said when. I'm literally the only person online that's everything. Like, you'll go online and you'll see somebody call me gay. Then you'll see somebody call me homophobic. You'll see somebody call me a racist and see somebody call me an Uncle Tom. Like, I'm yeah. literally the only person that's everything. You're something everybody. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, when did I become homophobic and transphobic? So I'm like, what, what are the examples that y'all have of me saying that? They were upset because when I interviewed a, a lesbian rapper named Young M.A., she has a line in her song that says, Shorty gives me head. And she deep throats. So I'm like, how? Like I, so when she came to the show, I asked her, how? Did she suck the scrap on? Right. How is that pleasurable to you? That's like getting a tattoo on a fake arm and saying, ouch. <laughs> when it, like, like, and they were like, that's transphobic. I'm like, I had no idea. So I'm sitting there talking to these kids at Harvard, and they're telling me terms like homo, homo, erotic, homo, normal, homos, homo, normal, heteronormal. I'm like, I... I, I don't know what's going on right now. 
I have no idea, but that's, I'm open to learning. That's part of your book. You don't know what you don't know, and that's you're gonna it. learn stuff. So you can't be offended at me just because I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. So one of the, I said this when I came on your show, which I loved. Mm-hmm. I had so much fun when I came on, but I'm very envious of anybody who who uh, can just get away with saying anything, and there's not a lot of you know. There's fly by the seat of your pants, just go say stuff, and certain people just reach this point. Where it's, I don't want to say it's acceptable, but people go, oh, well, that, that's them. They can do it. Like I had Daisies and Miro on. Uh, Love Daisies and Miro. On the, on the pod this week. And, and I feel like they're hitting that point. I think the Breakfast Club is on that point. I think Howard Stern's on that point. Joan Rivers was. Barkley was there and now people kind of come at him yeah. with stuff. So it was like he had it and he would, but. It's very hard to get to, and you guys are there, and I'm well, envious I, of it. I think it's because, Charles, number one, Charles Barkley's black, and Charles Barkley speaks out against the black community a lot. That's what I think it is. Because let's be clear, there's nobody that can get you out of the paint faster than black Twitter. Right. When they are ready to get you up out of there, you are done. I know I've seen they 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 got Bill Cosby, they got Nate Parker, <laughs> they right. got O'Reilly. Like when O'Reilly insulted, everybody talks about those sexual harassment allegations. No, when O'Reilly insulted Queen Maxine Waters about her wig, they jumped on his ass and it's been all downhill from there. I don't even call him Bill O'Reilly anymore. No I call him Bill O'Rapey. Oh. That's his name. <laughs> Bill O'Rapey from the O'Rapey factor. Well, with the, uh I think yesterday he got bounced. Yeah, he got bounced, which was shocking. $13 million in sexual harassment suits is a lot. Like that's yeah. a, You could get a backup power forward for four years for $13 million. Yeah. That, it's just a lot of money. But he's an asshole, though. But I mean, I don't know him personally, but people that I, I have friends at Fox. I don't well, know. He sounds like Am I allowed to say asshole. that as a black person? I have what? friends at Fox. But yeah. I, have friends at, I have friends at Fox, and they always say he's an asshole. So yeah. it's like I talk about that in my book, how manners will take you where money won't. Like If you're a genuinely nice person, hmm. people may have your back. So they had his back up to a certain point because he was making money. But, you know, when he's, those advertisers started pulling from his show, they were just looking for a reason to get rid of Bill already. But if Bill was probably a genuinely nice guy that people liked, they'd probably be like, all right, you know, we can, we can support you. What's the best thing about black Twitter? The best thing about black Twitter is that they can, they can blow things up. They can blow things up for, for positive and negative. Like they can either empower things like they do with like uh, Issa Rae show Insecure or you know, Shonda Rhimes scandal and how to get away with murder and all that stuff like that. Or they can destroy you like they did when they found out, you know, Nate Parker had uh, been accused of rape 17 years ago and Birth of a Nation was coming out like they that movie disappeared. Y'all forgot that even came out. That was supposed to be the big Oscar thing. That was supposed to be the movie that made Oscar so white disappear. Right. We're going to give this black liberation story. And Oscar is going to be the bell of the ball, but Moonlight ended up being that. They they empowered Moonlight. Right. You know, so I think the best thing about black Twitter is they can empower things and they can destroy things. What's the worst thing that Twitter's done to your show that you thought was unfair? Oh, man. I mean, that's easy. And I, I don't even like talking about it, but I mean, I have to. I did literally just was on texting somebody like, I'm, they, they keep asking me about this, but now it's me talking about it. Tommy Lauren. When I when I I met Tommy Lauren once in my life. She was supposed to come on The Breakfast Club the same week she did Trevor Noah's show. And um, I guess after she didn't do so well on Trevor, they pulled her from our show. And then I went up to Viacom uh, because, you know, I, I work at MTV and MTV2. I got a show called Uncommon Sense Live that comes on Fridays at 1130. But I was up there because somebody up there had an, a bright idea that Charlamagne and Tommy would be good on the show together because I went on her show and, you know, d- debated her about the Black Panthers. 
So I went up there to have the meeting, no intention of doing the show or nothing. I really just wanted to have a conversation with her about how dangerous her rhetoric is to the black community. So we actually sat down and chopped it up about that. You know, I, I was explaining to her, you know, the things she says about the BLM are not accurate. She compared the BLM to the KKK. And um, her reasoning for it was because she said she saw a video where some guys were walking and marching about wanting to kill cops. And then she was actually in Dallas the night that that guy went crazy and shot those police officers. Yeah. And she was getting texts, you know, to her phone saying she's next. And her they put her parents' address out there. So I understand why she felt the way she felt. I don't agree with it, but I understood. So I said to her, well, you're a Trump supporter, right? And she goes, yeah. I go, are all Trump supporters racist? And she goes, of course not. She goes, when I go to these rallies, a lot of them are, but it's some of us who are just anti-government and want somebody to drain the swamp. So I said, how come you can see the nuance in the Trump supporters, but not the nuance in the BLM? All Trump supporters aren't racist. All BLM members don't want to kill cops. So right. why can't you see that? So that was the type of conversations that we were having. Met her one time in my life. But what I messed up a couple days later, I tweeted out, and this is a conversation I should have had on my podcast or a conversation I should have had on radio. That's the lesson I learned from this. I tweeted out, it'd be dope if a woke woman of color um, created a platform to control her narrative and become control our narrative and become a voice like Tommy Lauren did. Oh, my God. I was trending on Facebook for like so two So people days. thought you were complimenting her. Yes. They thought I was telling black women to be like Tommy Lauren. Uh, when all I was talking about was infrastructure. Right. That's all that, like her Facebook is popping. Which You're she saying the role model of her path. That's it. You wish that a black woman that's it. could do a similar version of that's it. That's it. But, yeah. Like, I'm not, of course I'm not comparing none of the sisters right. to Tommy Lauren. They're smarter, they're more intelligent. Like they run circles around Tommy. I was just talking about infrastructure, but what I learned is certain conversations should not be had on social media. That is a conversation I should have explained to people. I don't know people. if I've totally learned that yet. Even though I've been burned many times. Yeah. It's just tough. Sometimes. You ain't get that black social, Twitter roasting. Well, the problem with social media is it's 140 characters. Yeah. And you're not putting a lot of thought into it. And I've learned over the years, like if I'm going to tweet something and sometimes I'll screw up. But for the most part, it's like I'm putting thought into this. This is going out in the world because if you're in your car, you're getting coffee, you're in your, in your house in your pajamas. Yeah. It's just see how president it goes. You forget, like, boom. And it's going to be seen by all these people, and you better make sure the words are the way you want them. Well, to let's be. do a social experiment. You should pull out your phone right now and tweet out, No. I think Bill O'Reilly misunderstood. <laughs> 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 and, watch, and watch what happens. Watch what happens. Well, I remember Pat Oswald had a great series of tweets once where the tweet kept cutting off. It was like nine or ten tweets in a row. And the tweets kept getting cut off, but they were continuous. Yeah. But if you just saw the individual tweet, each one was like super offensive. Yeah, Twitter. Then a, it would lead to the other, next one. Yeah, it's a bad chain letter. Yeah, like because literally, if you f literally followed my timeline that night, I explained exactly what I was talking about. They don't care. They don't. They don't care. They took that one tweet out of context, ran with it. It went from me wanting women of color to have the the infrastructure that Tommy has to Charlemagne hates black women. Right. I'm like, huh. You've had that happen a couple of times, right? Like that time you got jumped. Yeah, well, that wasn't because well, that I got jumped on Twitter by black women, but I got jumped. No, no, you got you literally street. got physically jumped. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you ran for your life, mm -hmm. and then didn't you take shit because people were like you didn't? No, because that's I talk about that in the book too. That's part of the live your truth chapter. That's one of my principles: live your truth, so nobody can use your truth against you. And yeah. that's the Eminem and Eight Mile theory. Because at the end of Eight Mile, B Rabbit said everything he possibly could say about himself. So it left his opponent speechless and defenseless. So when that... It's a good theory. Yeah, when that happened, that can I get a drop moment, 
I immediately, when I, when, when, I, when I ran into the building, I ran right to the microphone and was like, shout out to those dudes who just tried to jump me. I said, I talked about the story all morning. I didn't try to make it seem like I fought them and I, yeah. but I ran. Dude yeah. hit me in the back of the head. I've heard way too many stories about dudes getting kidnapped in New York. And oh, yeah. I, yeah, I saw the guy with the camera. I didn't know if they were going to try to hold me down and pee on me. They had a plan. And whatever their plan was, I wasn't going to let that plan go through. So I took off and I would do it again right now. If I'm not fighting four guys at one time. So when I told the story, when the video came out, it softened the blow. Yeah. Like people still got their jokes off. They still get their jokes off to this day, but they really couldn't kill me. They couldn't use it against me because I already had owned it. Does it scare you that you the platform that you have led to four people who wanted to beat the shit out of you and actually tried to do it? Nah, because I've seen um I've seen it happen to so many people before. Like I always think about Chris Everett when he jumped on Jim Rome. You remember that? Oh, uh Jim, Jim Everett. Everett. Well, because he because Jim Rome kept calling him. Chris See, that's Jim's yeah, fault. Yeah. Jim's fault. It's Jim's fault. I called him Chris just now. Yeah. But he kept, you know, he did that. And so I always think about stuff like that. Like that, that I think about the guy when he got stabbed on cheaters. <laughs> like, Do we know like, if that happened or not? Uh, yeah, it, I still have positive. I don't that know happened. Joey Greco. Yeah, Joey Greco. So I think about <laughs> stuff like that. I'm like, it's possible. Like you can't say what you want to say and expect people to react the way you want them to react. I hate people that do that. I hate people that yeah. say something and then when somebody jumps out the window and reacts in a way they don't like. They be like, yo, you're overreacting, man. No, who am I to tell you this person that they're overreacting? When so, did the Breakfast Club get to the point when it became the go-to place for basically all the black pop culture power brokers? That's a good question, man. I think- Like five I, years ago, four years ago? I'll say about, uh, I'll say maybe 2014. Cause I, I remember, I, I remember- The Kanye stuff was the stuff that really boom. pushed you to the next level, right? It was the first Kanye interview that, that that took us to like a mainstream level, but it was actually the second Kanye interview that took us over the top. But it was that week. It was a culmination of that week. Cause I remember like it was yesterday. This is when Tiger first started dating Kylie Jenner, right? So he was denying it. So for whatever reason, Tiger <laughs> he was denying it because she was like 15. Boom. Yeah. He was red shirting her. Yeah. So he came, he, he, he came to the Breakfast Club to defend it. Yeah. And then it's like. No, no, Amber Rose came first and was giving Tiger shit about it. Then Tiger came to defend it. And for whatever reason, Kanye came the end of the week uh-huh. to do a second interview. And Kanye basically was like, this is why I love coming to this show because this is like the epitome of pop culture. And I remember that week because I remember Harvey Levin calling me and saying, yo, congratulations. Let's team up. Yeah. <laughs> Harvey, I mean, Harvey posted a lot of our stuff, but he was just like, yo, congratulations. Y'all guys have become like a, a pop culture hotbed. And then like last year was a big year because the same week people forget this. Because I was on? You, oh, of course. No, it's yeah. true. It's, 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 guests like you give us a different audience. It's like I a crossover it. thing. Yeah. But Hillary Clinton came on a Monday. Yeah. And that was the whole Hillary and the hot sauce thing. And I oh, told yeah. I told her she's you did, just one of them times they're going to say you're pandering to black people again. And then Birdman was that Friday. Mm. So it was one week. So Birdman. it's just like, yeah, we get those moments where it's just like the whole week is breakfast club. Birdman content. was the one that seemed like he wanted to fight everybody, right? Yeah. yeah. Put some respect on my name. That was pretty mm. great. Mm. He most amazing. When the guest comes seconds. in that angry and that hot, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know what to do. Not you don't do anything. You turn Just the cameras on. <laughs> if you watch the if you watch the video, I already had told him because I saw him outside. This is a true story. He was in the lobby and Eminem "Lose Yourself" was playing. Yeah, I don't know where it was coming from, but it was playing, <laughs> and he was just pacing back and forth. Oh, so no. I go wide <laughs> shot. Yeah. So if you notice, if you watch the video, when you when he walks in, oh, it's yeah, a wide right. shot. Yeah. All the cameras are on. 
And then he starts talking. He curses us out and then sits down for the interview. And then Envy starts the interview. And I'm like, oh, no, no, we're not just getting away from that. I'm like, okay, this guy just cursed us out. And let's get it in. He was like, nah, I already said what I need to say. I was like, well, say it. We on the air. But we the camera was rolling the whole time. Like, I knew that was going to be gold. Was that the closest you came to an altercation in the studio? No, actually, I think the it's never the guys that are like rah-rah and real hostile that yeah. bother me. It's the cool, calm, collected guys. The one time I really thought I was about to get my ass beat in the studio was Nelly. Really? Yeah, because Nelly? you know, Nelly's an athletic guy. He's in shape. And he was just sitting in there, and I said something to him. Uh, I was like, you know, Nelly, you cold out here right now. Ain't nobody checking for pimp juice. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like you're cold. Like, you're just cold. Like, you're not hot as an artist no more. And he kind of, like, cracked his knuckles, and he goes, you know, man, I, I keep retainers for guys like you. It's basically saying I got to keep lawyers on retainer for guys like you, you know? I'll give you a couple shots to the head. You sue me. Here's this $40,000. Get the hell out of here. You know what I mean? But I really felt like Nelly would have swung on me. So did you respond, it's getting hot in here? <laughs> I, just fell, I, just, I just fell back, you know, because I'm not ever purposely trying to push anybody. Yeah. I'm just That's honestly kind of not. insulting that you said that, though. What? That you said that he, he was cold as an artist. I mean, that's not. He is. He was That's a very upfront thing to say. Yeah, I mean, musically, he was at the yeah. time. I mean, Nelly is a legend, no right. doubt. Like, Nelly walk in this room, everybody knows who Nelly is, but yeah. you're not playing Nelly music right well, now. Well, now I'd know not to mess with him if he's got oh, people no, on no, retainer no, no. for yeah, people yeah. like us. And then Nelly's in, Nelly used to play baseball, football. Yeah. Like, yeah, Nelly, I'm, I'm never scared of, like, loud, out of shape rappers. Like, that don't scare me. The loudest person in the room is usually the, the softest anyway. It's the cool, calm, collected guys who calmly tell you, like, this is not what you want right now. Relax. You know who did that <laughs> yeah. to me, too? Robin Thicke. <laughs> Robin Thicke pulled me to the side one time and was like, I really don't appreciate none of the shit you be saying about me. Robin Thicke. Robin fucking Thicke. Because he was at the MTV offices one time. This is a true story. This is years ago. I had just started at MTV and he was taking a shit. And he like, was, I mean, the bathroom was fucked up. Like it was funky as hell. And so when he walks out, I'm just looking at him like, look at this guy in this clean cut suit and all these girls running up on him. And they have no idea what he just did in the bathroom just now. So I was telling that story. And yeah. he, he just did not appreciate that at all. Mm. Yeah. Robert Thicke. Mm -hmm. Him and his dad, I think, are the premier uh, father-son stickmen. Really? I mean, his dad passed away last year, yeah, tragically. I but yeah. I, I think the two of them, they, they, they've had a lot of sex. Yeah, they probably smashed all the Hollywood. They, yeah, yeah Thick. I can't think of nobody else. You don't of... think Charlie Sheen, Martin Sheen, maybe? Uh, that, that gets dark, though. Yeah, it does get dark. It's, it's the non-dark father-son stick Yeah, combo. once you get aged, you went the too Sheen, far. Uh, the Sheens are, that's yeah. a rough, when that's you a can't, rough story. Who? Clint Eastwood and Oh, that's a good one. You think Clint Eastwood? Scott. Clint definitely Clint got. Scott I don't know who Scott is. Clint definitely got Scott's a lot of pussy. Scott's the the Paul Walker replacement in Fast Eight. Oh, I've never watched a Fast and Furious movie uh, in my life. Why would well, I if you watch that? Fast Eight, there's a new white guy that you don't totally recognize yeah. to replace Paul. That's Scotty. I've never watched a Fast and the Furious movie ever in my life. So you had Kanye twice. Kanye is my dream podcast. He'd be my number one choice. Well, if, I I had, if I had a fantasy draft of like top ten podcast yeah. possibilities, he's in L.A. He's right in Calabasas. Like Kanye and Michelle Obama would be my top two. I love Michelle Obama. Have you had Michelle Obama on yours? No, I haven't. I'm actually doing something with Michelle soon though. Like I don't know if she's gonna be there, but I'm not supposed to talk about that. 
Oh, never mind. All right, okay. we'll, we'll cut it out. <laughs> we'll cut that part out. No, you don't have to cut it. No, we'll we cut it. Yeah. It's fine. It's what, good, man. Maca- That's why it's a podcast. Huh? Yeah, I might be doing something. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll keep it. But, but uh, Kanye's interesting. I think Kanye. So, what was your read? Just as guy to guy, dude to dude. I was an upset sitting five fan. feet away with him. Upset fan. I'm, disc- I'm, a, I'm a disgruntled fan. First time you're disgruntled, or the whole time you're disgruntled. First time. Second time. Uh, second time I respected the fact he came back because you went at him the first time. Yeah. It was like uncomfortable. Yes, because I was upset because he's out here talking about all of these things that we don't give a fuck about. I don't care that the fashion industry won't accept you. I like when Kanye was socially conscious Kanye and was saying things like George Bush doesn't care about black people. Like we were at a very tumultuous time. We're still at a very tumultuous time in this country. We need voices that going to stand up and speak out against the injustice black people are facing. He's out here ranting about sneakers. Yeah. And clothes? Like, I don't want to hear that, bro. Like, we don't care. And then I hated the thing when he kept saying, uh, he came out with the song New Slaves. And you come out with the song New Slaves, but then you're yelling and screaming for these corporate entities to embrace you. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's a, it's a mixed message. Like, either you want to be of the corporate fashion industry or you don't. Like, you can't say you're a new slave, but then like, Nike! Sign me, uh, Gucci, Louis, love me. Like what? Come on, make up your mind. So, well, I would also argue that he's had the biggest impact on sneakers of probably anyone this decade, right? You think? Well, just like the, the Yeezys and all that, like just how how cool and unique they were. I'm gonna ask Past Tommy. Decade? What do you think, Tommy? Who who's had the biggest impact this decade? Overrated, Tommy says. He's top three. Who's number one? LeBron. LeBron's yeah. shoes isn't selling though. Steph Curry, Steph Curry got people to wear. Steph Curry, the, the, the Under Armour stock tank after the chefs. I know, no, they, the I chef, they went Under Armour. I had the Under Armour stock. I thought Under Armour went down after one of them said they support Trump or something like that. Who's, the, who's yeah. the one? Yeah, that's what it was. Under Armour said they supported Trump. Well, but I think the, the shitty shoes, the shitty shoes didn't help either. Listen, they the came shit. out the chefs. Who's the Adidas one? Because Adidas is the hottest one right now. James Harden. Maybe the hardest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steph's Curry sneakers are trash, but he made people wear them. Yeah. Which is like saying something. Yeah, okay. All right, so back to Kanye. Yeah. Um, I was watching, I'm ashamed to admit this, and I don't watch the show, so don't judge me, but I happen to watch the show because it was the one, the robbery show on Keeping keeping Up with the Kardashians, whatever the hell it's called. Gotcha. So I watched the whole episode. Okay. And I watched it with my daughter. Which was a mistake because she was like, I love this show. Let's start taping. I'm like, oh no. Oh, my God. My almost 12-year-old daughter. I was oh, like, no, why are you doing we're that? Not, no, I was like, no. You're not watching the show. I'll let you watch just about anything. I'm not letting you watch the Kardashians. But in this show, there's this whole French runway section with Kanye. When he goes, because they're going to walk the runway. And Kanye is giving them advice on, no, no, wear that outfit. No, you should try this dress. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like... I mean, more great for him that he loves us. This is his hobby, but we've kind of fucking needed Kanye last year. Yeah, man. Out of all years for yes. for his music, yes. I think 2016 would have been important. Yes. And he's in Paris, he's like in telling, the sunken place. Telling have you seen Chloe the movie Get Out? Have you seen the movie Get Out? Yeah, I have. Kanye's in the sunken place. That's a great way to put Somebody it. Somebody needs to flash him with a camera light and get him up out of that Kardashian world. Now, don't get me wrong. Life of Pablo was an amazing album, too, by the way. I loved the Life of Pablo, but it's almost like nobody cared. I thought Famous was like one of the three best songs he ever did. Yes, Just for famous, pure enjoyment. I waves, just fucking love that song. Uh, the joint with Chance the Rapper, Ultra Light Beams. Too, yeah. Oh, my God. The uh the the, the the uh what's it called the thirty hours that like he yo con- that album was amazing 
Nah, he didn't get credit for it. I no, agree he didn't get credit for it all because his personality and everything that surrounds him is bigger than his music now. But the Kardashians are just boring, period. Like, cause you know why? Because of the Trump administration. Like, I'd rather yeah. keep up with the Trump administration than keep up with the Kardashians. Keeping up with the Trumps? Yeah, they're more entertaining. Like, would that- Jared Kushner say anything? I like the SNL where they Jimmy Fallon played Jared Kushner. And he didn't say anything. I didn't see. He it. was just mute. He I didn't just see it. they kept asking questions, and he would just stay in there like. If, if I don't nah, catch SNL online, keeping up with the Trumps, I don't watch it. So you'd watch that. Yes, is I'm watching credit? it now. That's what CNN is. CNN is like the new <laughs> E network. It is. CNN is the new E network. I'm watching it every day. The Kardashians are like just about everything you're against. Um, it's about 80, yeah. 85% of all 85%, the things that bug you, I would 85% say. 85% of everything that bugs me because I think that they started. Unearned fame. Yeah, they, they, started the, they started the era of people just wanting to be famous. Right. And, but they actually are making a lot of money. Yes. Everybody else that's chasing that dream of fame isn't making any money. Fame is not a foundation to stand on. Like I, I, I talk about that in the book as well. Like everybody, like we live in this era where everybody's chasing a celebrity, and, yeah. and success is almost dictated by if you're a celebrity or not. But that's the stupidest mentality in the world. Like success should always be subjective. Like me, I chose the per- I chose to be a radio personality, and that led to TV and books and movies and other things. But it's a guy living in Charlotte, North Carolina, right now, making fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year. And he hates you. No, but, uh. no. <laughs> he got a car. Right. He got a nice place to stay. His wife is good. His kids are good. He's happy. That's successful. Right. That's really successful. The American dream is not celebrity. They, I mean, it happens to some people, but everybody cannot chase being a celebrity. I would say chasing celebrity, but also maintaining celebrity. I don't care about maintaining become, celebrity. No, I'm saying that's been the other part of this whole thing is people figuring out how to stay relevant. Oh, yeah. Maintain the relevance, whether they're doing little commercials or how they're doing social media. Setting or themselves anything. on fire on Putting, social media. Yeah, or little, little, little gimmicks yeah. to try to be relevant for a day. Yeah. I talk about That's that. more annoying than anything. Very annoying. I got a principle in my book called Fuck Your Dreams, right? And it's fuck your dreams if they're not your dreams. Because, you know, when you grow up, especially as a, a black man in America, the people you see that are successful who look like you are usually in entertainment and athletics. So everybody runs to those fields. But that's not really your dream. You're just doing that because you're seeing, you seeing it work for somebody else. Right. So every now and then you need somebody to pull you to the side and say, fuck your dreams. I had somebody do that to me. I got a, a mentor named Dr. Robert Evans. I used to want to rap and I had start, just started doing radio. So when I saw it working for Ludacris and he was a rapper and he was doing radio, I was like oh that's what i'm gonna do and he was like no you're not because you suck as a rapper but you're really good at radio you should focus on that because you can go from good to great and that's what i did right and now i'm sitting there talking to bill simmons and i got a book out you should have that speech with kanye about his fashion i did the first time we interviewed him (laughs) that's true you did i'm like why that's why i got testy and guess what it's cool if that if you want to chase the fashion world great we just don't want to hear about it nobody cares about first world problems bro Motherfuckers is really out here going through real life shit. We don't care that the biggest issue in your world is that Louis Vuitton won't let you design somebody's silk underwear. Isn't that the biggest, that's the curse of when when uh, musicians and comedians mm-hmm. become super successful? Yeah. Is that well, part of what made them successful is they were just like anyone else and they're rapping about the stuff that you know resonates with anybody or they're they're doing in their act their stuff that people yeah and then you hit a certain point i was caught the eddie murphy syndrome where you know he's he's still the most talented person in my lifetime in my opinion eddie's um, amazing and he gets to a point where he's just around four people yeah and he's living in this mansion 
Well, you know, if you and ever, how are you supposed to be funny if you're just in some mansion with with you know your cousin and your three buddies and you can't go out because you're too famous? What you have? You're not having experiences. Yeah, I mean, in the Forty Eight Laws of Power, they talk about isolation being dangerous. Yes, but I mean. You can still make social observations. Like it's not like yes, but you're just doing it through TV. Yeah, you, you know, you, you do got to interact, right? Yeah. yeah, that's what made Eddie so great, and especially in the early '80s, was his ability to be like, here's here's my invitation, my uncle, and here's my grandmother, and, yeah. and oh, here's celebrity, and he was just he was always in it. And then after a while, you just I think that's why he hasn't wanted to do stand up comedy. I'm still looking for a comedian that uh, can break down this new world we live in. You know, Chappelle kind of did it a little bit on his, on his special when he talks about social media. I'm interested to see what Chris Rock does, but those guys are older. Well, you read, have you read about what Chris Rock's doing? No. Like this new tour is it's a lot about his divorce and uh you know, relationships and mm. stuff. I think it's dark. I I don't think it's what when I, if I think it's on Netflix. When it comes out on Netflix, I don't think it's what people are expecting. Well, Chappelle you, felt like I I liked watching both of those. I still feel like the third and fourth ones will be the ones yeah, he's coming back. It's almost like Jordan coming back from playing baseball for two years. Boom. He's got to get his rhythm yeah. and stuff back. Because it seemed like a lot of old material. Kind of. Yeah. yeah, it didn't seem kinda like evergreen. right now. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. His third and fourth will be better. I'm interested to see what Chris does, though. But I, like I said, I think we need like the younger guys to like navigate through this new social media world. Like I like Gerard Carmichael. You ever talk to Gerard Carmichael? You know, I thought his HBO special was really good. He's supposed too. to come on. Tom is getting him at some point. Gerard's funny. Gerard, cause, cause He's got a really unique rhythm to how he delivers the stuff, too. He does. I can't really compare it to him. It's a little off kilter. Yeah. I, I, like, I like what he said about uh, Jay-Z and Martin Luther King Jr. Because a lot of people wouldn't say that out loud. Yeah. But it's a lot of kids who probably do feel like that. Because we are being more and more disconnected from our history. So we don't even really... I mean, not me, because I understand. But a lot of kids don't even really understand what Martin Luther King Jr. meant. Right. They don't realize that you're actually sitting here... Me and you are sitting here doing this because of Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. You know what I mean? So when he said that Jay-Z means way more to me than Martin Luther King Jr., I understood it. A lot of people was like, oh, that's disrespectful. But I'm like, I get what he's saying. He set it up really nicely. Like yeah. he was embarrassed about it. He wasn't proud of it. Yes. But. Yeah. And then he does it. And it's like, all right. I mean, and, went, and he said, how many, I can quote damn near every Jay-Z lyric. I know like two bars from the I Have a Dream speech. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's pretty, that's true. Yeah. Like if you, of course, in historical context, you know, of course, who's big. That might even be, no, you're, I'm bullshit. I'm about to say that might be debatable. No, yeah, you know who's bigger. You know what I mean? But that's true. It's a true statement. Like I can't sit here and quote the I Have a Dream speech. How did, how did you feel post-Lemonade? What, what's the move for Jay-Z now? I think Jay-Z's doing everything right. Okay. And the reason I say I think he's doing everything right is Jay-Z is a perfect example of constantly growing, constantly evolving, but somehow finds a way to still remain grounded. And it's yeah. like we've been taking this journey with him since Reasonable Doubt. Like, literally, he's shown us where he's at. He's shown us every point in his life through his music. From Reasonable Doubt to In My Lifetime, to Hard Knock Life, to, you know, the Blueprint. Like, he just showed us, even, you know, when he puts out songs about Blue Ivy being born, uh, you know, and he'll get on the All The Way Up remix and give you a couple little bars about the elevator incident. Like, you know exactly where Jay-Z is at at every point in his life. We've watched him grow. We've watched him evolve. He's the guy that we constantly root for because he's the person that's really moving the culture forward and showing us that it really can be done. He's the epitome of black privilege. The epitome of it. So it's just like, I feel like he's doing everything right. And he put a lot of people on. That's the thing I like. See, I'm the type of person, I like to throw more assists than I do yeah. score. 
Like, Jay-Z's a, a great scorer, but I mean, come on, Rihanna's his artist, Kanye's his artist, J. Cole, like, you know, like, these are his artists. Like, he had record labels, Beanie Siegel, Memphis Bleak, like, he's put so many people on. I feel like that's how you continue to empower yourself and why he's looked at as, as the Don he is now. When it, what was it, like, four or five years ago when he had the New York song that was played for a year straight? Empire State of Mind. You, you know so, that was his first number one single ever? It's a great song, but it's also like the all-time Irrational Confidence song because he's basically saying like, I own New York. I'm the most important person. But it, like nobody called him out on it. People... It's kind of right. <laughs> it's kind of right. People are <laughs> like, eh, like I, eh, I'm trying I to want to fight this, but I can't. Who's more influential? It was unbelievable. And, and the, I'm gonna tell you I what, can see LeBron writing that about like Cleveland. Cleveland, yeah. But, but Jay-Z's like... I own New York, and here's a song about He's it that's right. really good. I mean, and you're all going to listen to it for a year. You land at the airport, you hear Empire State of Mind. This one I knew things yeah. had really changed. Oh, yeah. I was I was doing a, a New Year's Eve special for MTV. Ball drops. First song they play. Uh, Fr Frank Sinatra. New York, New York. When Frank Sinatra went off, guess what they played? Empire State of Mind by Jay Z, and in that song, he's telling us that he's the, he's new, the Sinatra. new Sinatra. Yeah. I was like, "Wow!" And the and the crowd, the energy never shifted. Right, the energy went from Frank Sinatra, New York. Everybody loved that song. Yeah. You know, hugging, kissing. Empire State of Mind. Oh, even a bigger pop. So right. I was like, "Wow!" It's in the top two, and then New York State of Mind, Billy Joel, which I think has endured too, and that's like forty years old now. But that's and New that's York more State like a love letter to New York. Yeah, Jay Z's like, I own New York. I'm the guy now. And New York State of Mind by Nas. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah, was on, yeah. That was yeah. on Illmatic album. Yeah, that's when he. That's when like that's for the old school New York when you get slapped yeah. across the face with a razor blade. <laughs> yeah, and robbed for your Pelly Pelly on the subway train. That's that's the old school. New Have York. you had Jay Z on the show? Yeah, we had Jay Z on. That's what, that was another one. That was another one. Kind of uh, secretly boring, right? Nah. No? That was a great interview. Really? Yeah, man. It was a great interview for me because I'm a Jay-Z fan. And it was like just uh, historical hip-hop questions I always wanted to ask Jay and get his opinion. Like how people say things like um, he wouldn't be where he is if Biggie was still alive. Or like underground stuff like people said Jay-Z took young Chris from Philadelphia style. Like yeah. things like that. And he, and he wasn't opposed to answering any of them. Or even like, you know, uh, rumors about Beyonce faking her pregnancy. Like he was rumors. open to talking about I that. I mean, the pillow came out that one time. No, when She did. sat down, remember? It did? No, it's, there, was, there was this internet photo that people claimed <laughs> she was sitting <laughs> was like, down what? and like the, the alleged pillow in yeah. her stomach bent forward and people have gotten six years of mileage. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. he was, he's, Jay's always a great interview. All those guys like that are great interviews. Those guys that came up in the 90s, early 2000s, like they they got the best stories. Those are the people you actually learn from. Like I like interviewing guys like you because I can learn from you. Right. Like I don't want to sit there and talk to somebody I know I got more money than. You know what I'm right. saying? I'm, I got somebody I know is not going to be around next year. Like, what's yeah. the point? The third lead in two broke girls. Yes. <laughs> exactly. The third so you're broke the girl. chef. Yeah. The third broke girl who's really broke <laughs> in real life. Her. Yeah. Absolutely. When I had KD and Nas on. Yes. When you're talking about how you want to learn from people and how like the, the, the best possible thing for you is when something unexpected. At, yeah. It was so cool. That was one of my favorite things I've ever done because they didn't really know each other, but there, there was a common link that they didn't totally know they had. Hip hop probably. Well, and also that Durant was, this is the summer he's taking all this shit for his decision. And Nas had been in the same shoes when you to signed some Jay -Z? degree, yeah. When yeah. so this whole sellout, you joined a better team type thing, and as it's going, and I didn't want to be, you know, 
overt about trying to be like, but I was trying to nudge him there. And at some point I saw it click with Nas. And then he's like, he had some moment where he's like, you know, and I look at this young fellow over here and I see, and then he started doing exactly what I kind of hoped he would see. Yeah. It was fucking cool. You know, and Nas, Nas is it- like, I mean, he's like Confucius. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, 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 I just feel like he should just walk around just spouting wisdom and you know he doesn't do a lot of interviews i know he doesn't do anything at all he's never done the breakfast club yeah seriously no he's never done he does not do a lot of interviews like even if you go online you're not gonna find like a overabundance of like long form nas interviews like you might get some clips here and there him saying some things but nobody's i can't think of a real in-depth nas interview i was if i had him for like over an hour it's his connection with biggie was the most fascinating thing to me coming out of that. Mm-hmm. Cause he brought it up a couple different times and just almost like there was a sense of loss. Yeah. That just as a competitive musician, that it was just good to have Biggie in his life. It would have made him a little bit better. Made him better. That's the feeling I got. And I had never thought about that before. I love Nas. Nas is one, I, you know, in my book, black privilege, I talk a lot about artists whose music, resonated with me because they had a lot of socially conscious things in their music. Right. I come from a small town yeah. called Monk's Corner, South Carolina. And for me, I was able to transcend my circumstances because of literature and because of music. And Nas was one of those guys who would be saying certain things in his rhymes that would make me go research. I'd yeah. be going to research certain people, going to research certain places, certain books and things he would name drop. And like, I feel like uh, his song, I did, a, I did a, a Black Privilege playlist for title, and he did a song called I Can. And I yep. feel like that song is the epitome of just anybody embracing their divine privilege, embracing what they are and who they are and saying, I can do anything I want to on this planet because God made me and God put me here. And that recognize I can is like is like the soundtrack to this that whole book. He has the second my second favorite, most improbable Instagram account. Really? That I enjoy, other than KG's, which is the goat of Instagram accounts. I haven't seen KG's account. KG's account is incredible. I give KG It's Dump. KG's account I would pay for. If it was like, KG's Instagram account is now $10 a month, I'd be like, done. Where I'll put really? it in PayPal. I gotta yeah. follow Kevin Gunn. Because he'll just be like, I'm on the beach with Rashid Wallace. And then the wow. next one is like, I'm in my man cave with Andre Miller I get you Kevin- know, on TNT. And then the next one's like, I'm in Greece with... Paul Pierce. Wow. I don't know. I just enjoy it. He does a show, right? KG21 yeah, or something? Yeah, he did Area 21. I gave him Donkey of the Day recently. You did? Yeah, because it was some word. What was the word? He 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 was trying to pronounce it on his show. It was like he didn't, It was like undisputedly or something. And he, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck came out of his mouth. Like It yeah. sounded like it, it, it sounded like if you muted the TV and Busta Rhymes was rapping and it was just mad closed caption and exclamation mark. Yeah. And you, I did not understand what he said. But it's like... He didn't even attempt the word. He just like, yeah. now you're reading the prompter and you see the word and you know it's something you can't pronounce. So you just try to like brush over it. Yeah. He did that and I had to give him donkey today for it. I uh, KG's from South Carolina too though. I respect KG a lot. He is all charisma on TV because yeah. if you ran a transcript of what he actually said, it's all like, I'm with Charlemagne. That's my dude. He's right here. He's the best. That's my guy. It's just that for a minute. And then, but he, nothing's actually said. Yeah. But it's it feels like something important's happening when you watch it. He's a very yeah. charismatic guy. All right, ESPN. Oh no! Every so what time happened today? It, it never fails. Every time before I come see you when I'm in LA, I end up doing uh, Sports Center because yeah. my homegirl Carrie Champion, Super Carrie, she's a real good friend of mine. I love Carrie Champion. Oh, she's amazing. And so I was on there just now promoting my book, and uh, her co-host David Lloyd. Yeah. 
you know, they do this top five list. Uh-oh. So today it was top five books. Yeah. So Carrie had some great books. Carrie had like Pyramids of Success by John Wooden. She had, uh, I think it's Life from the Times of Muhammad Ali. And like David had like Friday Night Lights, which was a good book. But then he had Seabiscuit. So as soon as I saw Seabiscuit, I got pissed off. I don't know why. Seabiscuit <laughs> pisses me the fuck off. I hate the movie. I don't like the, the book. The movie was terrible. That's what I, and, and that's why I go, yeah. I go, David's list is trash. I go, Seabiscuit is trash. <laughs> Horse racing is trash. It's just trash. Yeah. And I just, like, he, he kind of, he was like, well, you know. So so Carrie was like, yo, you should need to apologize to him. You, that's, what the fuck is you doing? She didn't say fuck is you doing, but like, right. you can't tell. That would have been awesome if why, she said Why that. would you say that to my co-host, whatever, whatever? Yeah. So then on Twitter just now, Jamel Hill gave David props for a book he posted, and then he tweets out. Oh, so that was a subtweet by Jamel. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't think it was a subtweet, but he retweeted it and goes, well... Not according to Charlemagne the God. <laughs> so, oh man! I'm like, well, damn, David. I didn't mean to. I knew you guys were gonna feud at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so I just apologized to him on Twitter. Like I didn't think your whole list was trash, yeah. but I just don't fuck with Sea Biscuit. Right. I just don't. Do it's it. nothing he did. You just don't N- like Sea Biscuit. As soon as I see Sea Biscuit, I just go to a dark place. I can't yeah. stand. Like I can't stand it. You gave a whole movie about fucking horse racing. Well, and then it it led to the second movie about it led to the Secretariat movie. Seabiscuit got a sequel. Yeah, well, it was basically a sequel, Secretariat, which is the same movie, just different horse. I see, who the fuck? Nobody. The only horse people give a fuck about is Mr. Ed, bro. If if they don't, if Mr. Ed is the only horse anybody has <laughs> historically ever cared about, what other horse did people care about other than Mr. Ed? Secretariat. Really? Greatest horse ever. Him. Made the made the sports century list of greatest athletes. It That's was like right. no. 19th is the best athlete. I think not, it was ahead of Bill Russell. I'm not doing it. The only, yeah. thing, the only thing you should give props to horses about is their dick size. That's yeah. it. That's Secre- it. Secretary was hung like a horse. That's it. Everything else, uh, it's trash. Seabiscuit. Oh, I can't stand it. I hate how, it. How would you fix ESPN? Because they're spending a lot of time trying to fix ESPN right now. Honestly, uh, I, would, uh, I would have more people of the culture on ESPN. Like, I, I love... I love I love Carrie on. Aren't they doing that though? They are, but I think they should do more of it. Like I love, like okay, it's it's odd sometimes because you'll have Carrie, and yeah. then you'll have somebody like David Lloyd on yeah. the same show, <laughs> right? And not saying that David's not good. I'm just saying it's odd because I wasn't yeah. disrespecting him when I saying his list is trash. That's just how we talk. Yeah, you know what I mean. Michael Smith would have understood that. Yeah, and Michael Smith would have pushed back like my list ain't trash, bro. Like yeah, he'd have yeah. pushed back. Wouldn't have just been like, what does he mean trash? Like garbage. Like, because in his mind, I'm thinking he's thinking literal trash. Like, he's thinking about trash day. Right. He's thinking about when the, the the garbage man doesn't come and pick up his shit. Like, I know that's what he's thinking about. So I just right. think you need more people of the culture. Like, I love the six with Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. Okay. And I love the fact that all of them are doing things outside of sports. Because sports is like pop culture. It's blended in with politics now. It's blended in with music. So it's good that they have such diverse guests that come on the show. I just think they need to do do a little bit more with their. Um, I used to take shit for that last decade. Really? Yeah. Well, being diverse or? No. Yeah, being diverse. Uh, No, like mixing sports, pop culture, all these different things. But that's all they do Last decade was basically, it's got to be sports. And then I would try to mix stuff up and they would get mad at me. Sports isn't just, it's just not that interesting anymore. Not not overall. Like it's all the subplots that come with sports. It's what people are tweeting. And like you said, KG on his Instagram, like what people are doing. Like people care about more than just what you did on the it's court a culture that around sports. Absolutely. Yeah. They got I think they got a little upset too on ESPN because I said that baseball is trash. It was way better when everybody was on steroids. It was though. Not St- untrue. Steroid era was way better. Baseball feels like each year it becomes less relevant until the playoffs. It's I don't becoming even watch the like playoffs a, it's anymore. becoming like a six month sport. People yeah. are watch, still watch the playoffs. Yeah. But like right now if we if we just started talking about Bryce Harper for ten minutes, whoever's listening 
to this on on in their car or when they're working out. We're out. They're just bumping us off. I don't even know who the fuck Bryce Harper is. <laughs> I told no, that'd be a I, terrible I was, conversation. I was talking to Tommy earlier. I said I, I couldn't name you one baseball player, like none. Gladwell I don't know any baseball this, players. Gladwell has this theory that that I wish I had thought of and I love and I'm very jealous of. It. But he said on my podcast about how the NBA is one of the only things left that's in the middle. What do they mean? We have all these different. All these different things about life right now, sports, music, pop culture, whatever, it's all these little niches. Mm -hmm. and it's all like over here and it's over there and everybody's got their little things that they love. But the NBA is one of the only things that people of all different types of, of experiences, cultures, yeah, yeah. ethnicities, class, doesn't matter. Like everybody's got an opinion on the NBA playoffs right now. Somebody like Westbrook, you know, which is funny because 40 years ago, the NBA, as we talked about when I was on your show, you know, the NBA, the rap on it was it was too black and the fans were too white. And how could this make sense? And now it's like, you know, I would say 20 of the 25 most marketable American athletes are basketball players. Yeah, it's I mean, completely flipped and it's in the middle, which I, I think is a good thing. I think it's a great thing. But there's nobody in their right mind who should ever complain about the NBA being too black. Cause well, the that's, that hasn't happened for 20 yeah, years. Yeah, because if the NBA was white, it'd be baseball. Like nobody would give a fuck. Like, like what white it, NBA player is amazing. It was a it was a storyline in the mid late nineties, when the guys were making a lot of money and the hip hop influence had, dra had drifted into the league. Yeah, Allen Iverson. And it was a lot. They put the dress code in. Yeah. There's, if you go back and read Sports Illustrated, some of the publications back then, they're always like, "What does the NBA do about their?" It's all coded. Yeah. Their problem connecting to fans, and it's like, what do you mean connecting to fans? Because their guys are making rap albums and, yeah. and wearing jogging suits to games and stuff like. So what happened they, to the they, NBA dress code? Do they still do that? Well, the guys the guys care about how they look now. Yeah, I think I think they're scared to implement a dress code now because they'll be like, I don't want to offend anybody's sexuality. Like, look what he's wearing. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> like his jeans are really skinny. He's got on. We well, saw Russell Westbrook's thing yesterday, right? Straight eighties. He had like yeah. huge hole in his jeans. Yeah, but yeah. It's funny to me that they put so much thought into that. Yeah, like he's it's a must win game in Houston. He's like, where are my jeans with the giant hole in them? Russell Westbrook's amazing, though, man. So you're pro Westbrook. I'm definitely we're pro Westbrook. We're taping this after game two, and he took 18 shots in the fourth quarter, which I've never seen in my life. Why wouldn't he? Who's he? Who else is going to shoot um, on the I thunder? See, I can't stand this. I'm serious. This is the way. That's no. Who else? No. Your, I, I, your I, list I, is trash. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how he averaged 10 assists a game. I'm like, who's he passing the ball to? Oh, please. Seriously? The Westbrook defenders I can't take. Who, who, is, he, who is he, though? Who's he passing the ball to? Ask yourself this. If you're okay. in his team and you barely ever get to shoot and then in the fourth quarter he's going to shoot every time and then the one time you get past the ball you're expected to make the shot is that a good place to uh, be in as a basketball player so how is he averaging tennis this game <laughs> well because the, the defenses are shading over him all the time but he also has the ball all the time like they yeah. had 20 assists total in that game he had 13 Shit. they took like 95 shots in that game he took 43 yeah like that's you can't win that way it's maybe, never worked maybe he needs a Man, I'm you gotta trust this, your teammates, man. You gotta trust your teammates. But you can't do your breakfast club and just be like, I'm talking the whole time. Everybody shut up. Oh, no, no, that's and then, not going Angela, work. in an hour, I'm gonna say something to you. Just be ready. Like, you can't do that. You think that's why KD left? Yes. Absolutely. I think that in Oklahoma City. Why couldn't no coach reel that in, though? Like, why couldn't the coach reel that in and say, Westbrook, you cannot shoot some, 50 times a game? Some guys are just, I mean, that's the thing that makes him great, is he really felt every time that he was the right guy to take the shot. He's got yeah. so much confidence. So much swagger. And you don't want to deter that. No. You let it ride. Yeah. I mean, that was the big thing with Kobe. Phil Jackson was always starting in like 2003. Phil Jackson's always trying to figure out how to 
you know, pull the steering wheel away from him a little while, keep the teammates involved. And Kobe had a lot of struggles with that. And then he finally settled into a selfish place that was still okay, beneficial. I'd rather tell people that I'd rather I'd rather have to pull somebody back from I doing too much than be than have to tell them have to push them. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't really have a problem with what Westbrook does. It's just like, how do we figure out, how do you figure out how to just pull it back a little bit? Here's the thing. You can't say winning is the most important thing when you're trying a style that has never won. Mm. What he's trying to do with the, with the ball and how much he has it and how many times he shoots and how he monopolizes it, we have a 70-year track record of this not working. Yeah. It's never succeeded at any real level. Maybe, maybe So why do it? Maybe Westbrook's just realizing I don't need to be here anymore. <laughs> maybe maybe he's thinking about LA. Yeah, maybe he's upset he signed that three year extension. Maybe he's like, I should get the fuck out of here too. But they have good. I mean, they paid Old Depot like almost a hundred million bucks. Yeah, and he's gotten worse in the last year. They paid Cantor like seventy five million or something. He can barely play in this series. I, Adams is going to get paid. He's getting worse. I like Adams, but I'll never forgive them for letting go of James Harden. I feel like that was the beginning of the end right Well, you're preaching the choir now. I feel like they should have kept... It was like over five million bucks. Yeah, keep those three together. How about this? Keep the team that almost won the finals the yes. year before. Try it. Let's see how that works Keep again. it together. Yeah. yeah. I would have let Harden play the point, though. I'd have let Harden play the point, let Russell play the two. What they had with Harden that year before, he was basically like their version of Manu coming off the bench, yep. completely changing games. Yep. He was only like 22. That's what I'm saying. He's I would They should have never dude. let that nucleus go. Yeah. They might be two or three championships in if they kept that team together. They had smart. I always think it's it's the best what if of this decade. I wonder why they let him go though. It was part money. It was uh, they just got cheap, and I think they. It's it's almost inexplicable. I actually think that at the time they really thought they made a good trade. I think they liked the trade. Yeah. That was the weirdest part of it. I think one day they liked getting the lottery pick. They liked Kevin Martin. They yeah. thought Kevin Martin could replace his offense. They liked Jeremy Lamb. Yeah, James Harden is like that girl that you used to date, and like he was cool when when he was with you. Yeah. But then when she leaves, you think like, oh, she's gonna fall off. But then she goes and gets hotter. Yeah, yeah. So now you're fall, you're kicking yourself like shit. I should have yeah. never let her go. Yeah, I think it's way worse. It's even worse than that. Yeah, you go man. find another girl. You can't find another James. You Harden. can't find another. James you can't Harden. find another championship window. And and they would have stayed together. Those three would have stayed together because they'd have been winning chips. Oklahoma City would have been the most popping team in the freaking country. They would have to change the jerseys because jerseys are trash. But they were. They would have been popping. Have you been to a game there? No, I heard it's like a college uh, feeling, though. Have you been to Oklahoma City? No, that's, that was all, that's See, what I was about why, to say. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that's why KD wanted to leave. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Oklahoma, how the fuck would I be in Oklahoma City? The only thing I know about Oklahoma City is Fort Sill. Is that even right. in Oklahoma City? It's a nice little little town. I enjoyed my time there for a couple of days. You got some pussy I wouldn't, there? I wouldn't. No, I'm <laughs> saying. I don't know if I'd want to live there if I was Kevin Durant. Yeah. Kevin Durant's now. He's in the Bay Area. It's, so what made you like great. it? I mean, you know, it was I, I always judge this stuff when I'm traveling for sports stuff. It's like, is it compact? Yeah. Can I just walk around? Can I go to the game? Can I like Atlanta to me is like the worst case scenario for going to write about the finals or something for for, for a week. Gotcha. So Atlanta is just like, you know, everything's in a different play. Everything's twenty minutes from everything. Oh, absolutely. So that's the thing with Kevin Durant is I like Kevin Durant, but um, I just feel like when you do those superpower teams. Yeah. The rings don't mean as much. It just doesn't. Like, I mean, I, it, like, I always said that if LeBron won one ring in Cleveland, that's like six in Miami. Yeah, how did LeBron not do that with Cleveland? What do you mean? He went to Cleveland. They had Kyrie Irving, yeah. who was the number one pick in the whole draft. They had Thompson there already, and they had another number one pick in the whole draft that they flipped for Kevin Love. Oh, like, I that forgot, was yeah. a super team. Yeah, not really. KG formed a super team. 
Yeah, but KG's team had already won a championship. Like they, let's be clear, no, Golden no, State no. doesn't need Kevin Durant. No, KG's team, the Celtics hadn't won I mean, in like KG. 22 years. I thought you said KD. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, K- yeah. All right. I mean, the Celtics were a little bit different, but LeBron leaving to go to Miami and teaming up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch, for whatever reason, that just seemed like the Legion of Doom at the time. But to go back to Cleveland, first of all, let's be clear, nobody goes back to Cleveland. All right? right. You don't go back to Cleveland. He actually right. went back to Cleveland and won a ring like that. He's good. That's why I hate when people always try to compare him to Michael Jordan because it's two different legacies total. And it's two different eras. Two different eras. Jordan would have played for 20 years if he had all the stuff that they have now. How much would he have averaged a game? Probably more at the at his peak. Yeah. Because they didn't have the hand check rules and stuff. But they didn't have... They didn't know about napping. They didn't know about dieting. They didn't have the hyperbaric chambers. Yeah, but they rested They now. didn't... Yeah, they're... I just think it would have been... He would have taken advantage of some of this stuff. Yeah. Maybe some of the chemicals. Just kidding. Listen, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah. I want to see the best possible product on the goddamn court, on the football field, on the baseball field. Performance-enhancing drugs don't make scrub players superstars. They just make superstars even bigger superstars. Who would have been your dream dad for Serena's baby? Common. Anybody from the... First of all, Common, Common. Is, Common is from the culture. I'm going to tell you something. That Serena Williams situation really pisses me off. Oh, no. Because, I'm going to tell you why. Oh, no. once we're, again, we're both going to get in trouble. Once again, black men have let white men make better choices than them. Drake and Common dated Serena Williams. Neither one of them proposed to her. Neither one of them shot what her club up. The all-time catch. Yeah, come on. You don't try to get Serena Williams pregnant. You don't marry Serena Williams. <laughs> Drake and Common. Like, what's wrong? Serena Williams. I know. Arguably the greatest athlete I would say LeVar Arrington flew, blew it up, too. LeVar, he was, he was there for a while. I remember LeVar was in there. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Serena Williams? You let this guy come from a whole nother country. And shoot our shoot our club up, like come on, bro. Like that, no, that's terrible. That's disgusting. I hate that. I just think she's the greatest athlete we ever produced. She's up there, man. She's up I there. I would have loved to. Uh, she's up there. I, I mean, I, I think Michael Jordan was a great athlete. I mean, greatest female athlete. I Bo Jackson. Say. No, greatest female athlete. Female. I should said. Nah, no, I, I, I say athlete. Period. I put I put her in that well, category. She's certainly the most successful athlete we've ever had. More than Michael Jordan. Well, yeah. If you, if you look at, well, first of all, Michael Jordan only won six rings. If you're going by success, Bill Russell is the most successful athlete. Okay. But Serena, you're going from, what, 99 to 2017? 18 years? She's so far above whoever the next one is? Yeah, all of that is subjective, too. I guess it, it, it's based on how much, it's generational and it's based on how much you care about the individual sport. Because I love tennis, but I don't rank, ten, I don't think tennis is as, the degree of difficulty isn't like basketball, right. football, even baseball, maybe. You know what I'm saying? The, degree, with, the difficulty for tennis is once they climb the mountain, because it's so hard to get there and it's so, so boring to play and you're by yourself for 10 hours a day. And they get there, they're at the top, and they and they and none of them can stay there for that long. Yeah. Because the discipline you needed to get there, once you, once you achieve it, you're like, ah, oh, fuck, all right, now what do I do? Oh, I just got to protect this every year. You're going to love this, but the person we're taking for granted right now who possibly may be the greatest athlete ever is Tom Brady. And the reason I say uh, that... Yeah, I, but it, I need to take a shower. <laughs> this is, this is the nicest thing you've ever no, done for no, me. But the reason I say that is because of the degree of difficulty of football. Yeah. Like, it's the not-for-long league for real. Like, you're supposed to be... He's, he's supposed had amazing to be done. luck. Yeah. Yes. Like, look at Romo. Romo 
is gone. Uh, Peyton Manning is gone. Like they're gone probably because of injuries. Like, he's only had one bad injury. Yeah. He's been really good at not taking big hits unless th- he has to, like if he's getting sacked or something. But he picks his spots. He gets rid of the ball fast. Yeah. Good system. Keeps himself in amazing shape. He's been to the and Super Bowl seven times. He's 40 years old this year. <laughs> he turns 40 in August. That's, he might. It's not even a might. Tom Brady probably the greatest athlete of all time. Based off the degree of difficulty of football and how successful he's been in that sport, I think he's number one. He certainly won the Peyton Manning argument. That's not even close. He's in the conversation for best football player ever from the, the length of how long he played, I think. He's not Tilts the best. It. You don't consider him the best quarterback ever now? No, he's the best quarterback. Okay. I'm saying if you're going to start a franchise with any football player, I think you'd probably pick him because of how long he played. Absolutely. And how good he was. Absolutely. But now it's like, now he's heading into this Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali territory. He's there keep already. Going. Come on. And I don't want to say it. I'm a, I'm he's a homer. If I say it, people no. just think I'm being a homer. No, he's there. First of all, I've never seen anybody beat the internet. Tom Brady beat the internet. Because if you watch that Super Bowl game, every slanderous meme, the oh, Michael yeah. Jordan face was like 75, yeah, 80% <laughs> on Brady. Three quarters, killing, killing. Then all of a sudden, it's like he just shifted the whole tide and came back and won the Super Bowl. And everybody just had to delete their memes and start sucking his dick. <laughs> like it literally went from the utmost Tom Brady slander to lining up to suck his fucking cock. So it's like, I've never seen that before in my life. I think Tom Brady is the greatest athlete of all time. I wasn't on the internet during that because I was too busy having a stroke, but uh, I can only imagine. How, how was that for you? I, got a, I, I, I was my, with my dad and my, I was with my fam. I had it, it switch seats at halftime yeah. for better luck. Never gave up. Couldn't give up. How am I going to give up on Tom Brady? We're down 25 and I'm still like doing the math in my head for how they can come back. Yeah, you Patriots fans are fanatical. I got a, I got a friend named G-Spin. He's from Boston, too. I think he you know, went to the same school or something. But he was like, at the end of the game, he was like, I got to go hug my kids and my mom, my wife. I'm like, you weren't playing. I know. <laughs> like, why do you got to go hug your kids and your wife for? Like, what is, like I said, a reaction I was well, looking it got, for. It got personal because of the, the whole deflategate thing. You know, mm. and it was like his legacy was being besmirched. And then it was like, oh, he's going to come back. They suspended him four games. He's going to come back anyway, try to win the Super Bowl. He's going to yeah. shove it right up Goodell's ass. Yeah. And then we're down 28 to three. How do you think Goodell felt in that moment? Because Goodell probably had a sigh of relief. Like, oh, uh, I don't got to present him the trophy. He was fine. They changed his battery. He was good. You got to take your anxiety. They take the battery medicine. out of his back, put another one in. Listen, I, they reprogrammed it. I, I don't think there's a better athlete on the planet than Tom Brady. I truly I, mean that. I, I got that. Seriously, want to like pop open champagne right now? I'm so happy. <laughs> it's but so it's, nice. But it's because of the degree of difficulty of football. Yeah, like it's just I'm that simple. Football is the most dangerous sport out there. He's prospered in it for years. He's about to be forty. The only good thing is they did tweak the rules so that quarterbacks took a little bit less punishment. But he's still like, if you watch that Atlanta game, he gets hit like twelve times in that game hard. His head hits the ground at yeah. one point. He probably got concussed. Didn't tell anybody. Are there any quarterbacks left from Brady's era? No, right? Uh, no, not from 2000. Yeah, everybody's coming on. That's what I'm no. saying. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. He won a Super Bowl last year. And he grew hair. His oh, hair he's got shit. more hair now. All right. Anybody who can grow it, like yeah. him and LeBron, they do, you can regenerate your own hairline. Like, you're, that's really, you're, right, you're, you're at on, a whole other you're, level. You're right. He's on performance and answering drugs. You're right. <laughs> I didn't mean it that you're way. right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I feel sorry for LeBron, though, because LeBron don't have a hairline. And he does so much for the community, so much for the city of Cleveland. He deserves to have a hairline. Well, now he has one. 
What rapper do you think has taken the most performance-enhancing drugs? 50 Cent? Somebody no, else? No, Dr. Dre. Remember when Dr. Oh, Dre was yeah. big Dr. as a hop at huge. one point? Dr. Dre was super diesel. He got huge. Yeah, like, I mean, unbelievable. Like, he's about to play the Incredible Hulk in the next Avengers movie or something. Like, he was huge. Like, absolutely. It was not even close. What do you think Dr. Dre does every day? What's Count. his average day like? Be nice. Don't get me in trouble. No, no. I like Dr. Dre. I think, okay. he probably, I think he probably gets up, goes to the gym. and Dr. Dre probably fights. Takes business calls. Maybe, probably with just one person, Jimmy IV. But Does I, he I, make music, do you think, anymore? I don't no? think so. You know why? I think Dre's one of those people who's in his own way because of his genius. Because yeah. when you're on Dr. Dre's level, you're only fighting against yourself. Like, literally, you're only fighting against yourself, who you are. Right. So in your mind, you're constantly saying, well, damn, if I can't make something better than this, I can't make something better than that. And he's probably making the most amazing shit. But to his ear, it's probably just subpar. But if he was to like let somebody else hear it, they probably like, oh, that's amazing. Put that out. Because his last album, Compton, was a great album. But they say he sat on that music for so long. It was I'm too like, long. Because you reach a point where you don't mean anything to anyone under 30. If I was you Dre, stay away for that long. Boom. That's a great point. And he's like, like Dre's like 50 plus. Yeah. If I was Dre, I would just give my music to other artists and not even say it's me. Like I would give my production to or other do people. do a Garth Brooks do and it. have a fake name. Absolutely. I wouldn't even tell people it's me. I'll just sit back and get the reaction off it. And then like Dr. Five, Dre should do that. Yeah. And then like five years later when everybody's talking about how great this project was and that project was. Yeah. Dre did that under the alias fucking, you know, billionaire beats or some crazy shit like that. Who has the championship belt right now? Kendrick? Um, yeah, That's a good question. I mean, Drake, Drake still reigns supreme. You know, Drake still got the rings. Do so you think Jake, Drake, when he's in concert, he could bring a championship belt and nobody would yeah, nobody I mean, would give him shit about it? it? I think right now is Kendrick season, but it's such a weird time because everything's so fleeting. So it's like... Well, it's like sports. It's like sports. So yeah. I, so I got to give it to the guys like Drake, Kendrick, J. Cole, because for whatever reason, they remain relevant all the time. People still care about their products when they drop. So those three are kind of like going back and forth. Don't get Tate started about J. Cole. You like Cole? I'm from North Carolina. I'm yeah, from South yeah. Carolina. I he, love J. Cole. I love everything he stands for, but I just think some of his you music You praise is... Tom Brady and J. Cole in five minutes. Like, yeah. Tate and I might maul you. But his music is boring, though. I, like, it's, I can't... I'm not I right. can't put him on that no, level no, with no. those guys. No, no, he is, though. Like if, if, if I just... Me personally, I'm just saying I can't. I can't ride around listening to J. Cole. Like, I gotta be in the mood to listen to J. Cole. I don't think you really know who you are as an artist until you take just an incredible amount of shit for something. Mm. Like, Drake... Views, so Drake's the man, then. Views was not that bad. It wasn't that good either. Though. It wasn't that good, but it wasn't that bad. Now yeah. it's being now it's being treated like it was the Titanic. But that, that, it just wasn't. That's his it wasn't fault. that bad. It goes back to what we were just talking about. It's like well, when you put yourself like the Drake, Dr. Dre thing. Like Drake has made so much incredible music, but everybody's waiting for this one incredible body of work right. from him, and he hasn't given it to. That's yet. a good thing. But people, people, people don't treat J. Cole like that. I don't think. I mean, maybe there's mm -hmm. a, a certain element of people that do, but not in a mainstream way. Yeah, Cole's got a cult-like following. Yeah. Like he's, got, like, he's actually in a, in a place that's probably easier to deal with creatively. Yeah, and Kendrick, though, because they come and go as they please. Well, Kendrick's in the best place you could be, I think. Kendrick album, the new album, man. It, he's it, famous, but he's not too famous. Yeah. His decisions, for the most part, people always respect and know that he puts thought into them. But we take them for granted. Take it for granted. That's I, a good thing to be taken for granted. I definitely took this album for granted because it's a great album. Yeah. But it's like watching LeBron average 38 and 9. Right. You're just used to it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I he didn't take things to the next level for me with this album. It's like, why didn't you get score 50? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I like the new Kendrick album, damn. I think it's great, but I'm just like, all right, that's just Kendrick being Kendrick. Like, I'm not wild. I appreciate it as a writer 
that how he did the uh the titles for the for the songs and how they looked collectively i thought that i like little stuff like that yeah, i wish like people pain, did that lust, it's just, it was all one word things it was caps it was like if you looked at it collectively it almost looked like a poem and less is that more. was cool the album title damn with a period yeah i like i like stuff like that i like i like i like simplicity i want to have him on you've had kendrick right yeah, my co-host Angela Yee actually was the first person that ever gave Kendrick Lamar a radio interview. Ever. Mm. Like, ever. The first time I met Kendrick Lamar was through Angela Yee, because Angela Yee used to do these bowling parties in New York. And literally, this was like 2009. I walked, we talk about this all the time. I walked up to Kendrick, and I go, yo, I wear a size 12 bowling shoe. Can you go give me a size 12? I thought he worked there. Because that's how much of, he did not wow. look like a star at all. Like yeah. He just looked, I literally thought he was working in there. And I was like, oh man, my bad. Because that's where Angela walked up like, this is Kendrick Lamar. And I was like, oh my bad, I apologize, my brother. I didn't mean that. But we talk about that all the time. Like, yeah. And Top Dog, I remember one time Top Dog saw me and he was like, does Kendrick look like a star to you now? I said, yeah, he does. Because he is now. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? But at the time, but he's no, he's no different. He's the same guy. It's just that, you know, once you sell some albums and you get that light on you, now we can see it. Right. At the time, he really looked like he was supposed to be getting me a size 12 bowling shoe. We have to go. Yes, Charlamagne sir. the God, black privilege. Opportunity to come to those who I created. I it as well on the, uh, on the old bestseller list. It's, it's doing pretty good right yeah, now, man. You, you, you have something that really helps with these books, which is you can drive people the awareness that it's out. Platforms. Platforms yeah, are very important. Platforms are good for you. Anything else you want to plug? This is the book, man. It's okay. out right now. You can go get it on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, uh, seethegodworld.com, and continue to listen to The Breakfast Club. And Bill, thank you for having me, man. And you can see Charlemagne on season nine and keeping up with the Kardashians. Absolutely not. Uh, no, oh, sorry, my bad. Kardashians are trash. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, thanks to SeatGeek. Don't forget to download the SeatGeek app today or go right to SeatGeek.com. And if you're a Celtics fan, go to SeatGeek. Get some Celtics Bulls tickets for game four. Thanks to Blue Apron. Thanks to Tate Frazier. For let me bounce off some mailbag questions and some thoughts at the start of the podcast. Thanks to Charlemagne. Don't forget to listen to Dezus and Mero and our NBA podcast mailbag. And we have a bunch of good stuff coming next week. Also, bank the podcast with the South Park guys. That's coming. Matt and Trey. We've had Matt on the podcast before, but never Matt and Trey together. And it's a good one. So I, I think we're running it at some point next week or by the latest, like May 2nd. But that's happening. Good times. That's it. Thanks for supporting the BS Podcast. We'll talk to you next week.